When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Have you ever lifted a piece of furniture and found the carpet underneath looks brand new while the rest of it looks, well, not brand new? That's when you realize you need new carpeting. At The Home Depot, we have a wide selection of all the top brands. Best of all, we'll install it for you. And even better than best of all, we install it free. So all you need to do is choose from our hundreds of styles and colors. Start your installation today at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany. Okay. Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I thought that... Oh, so I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hello, this is Greg Prado, author of the books Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked, as well as the Eric Carr story, amongst many others. You're listening to the Shattered Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Rock and roll! What's up there, Kiss Army? Tom and Zeus, another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode 136, aptly titled Carmine Apiece. Woo! Ooh, legend in the house tonight. Oh, yeah. Yes. Fellow Pantheon podcaster. Correct. Yep. And we're going to get into all that, but because we have a lot of feedback from last week's smashes thrashes and hits episode we want to get to that and uh we may have to cut back a little bit on it because it's there's so much of it so much of it but we want to get right into it last week we did smashes thrashes and hits and it got a huge response 
And we always start with the poll. Yeah. Uh, we talked about how this episode was going to be a big one and it, it was huge. This album uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but the feedback was just amazing. Uh, so again, we start with the poll. So we did favorite song out of the new ones. Let's put the X and sex. You make me rock hard and Beth featuring Eric Carr vocals. No surprise. X and sex was the runaway winner with 56%. Uh, Beth with Eric Carr vocals, 23. You make me rock hard coming in at 21%. We'll get to a couple, a uh, couple comments, pocket rocket ride. Paul was right. The two new songs blow. <laughs> Uh, Lee Bruton, uh, turn it up. Brilliant song. I agree with Tom, but the lyrics are great. I'm under a physical spell. I'm a prisoner and your love is my cell. Yeah, baby. Paul Stanley at his best. Oh yeah. And then people are sharing all the gifts. Then they were comparing Paul to friggin' rock me tonight. Billy Squire, which that ends up making an appearance later in the episode tonight. <laughs> we got uh Vincent. Don't call me Roman Maroney. Now I'm really angry. This is Fargan War. Talking about Eric Carr and the Beth vocals. Alessandro Rook, I love Eric, but they should not have done the cover. Rock Hard is hilarious and fun. Don Flamenco, I voted X and Sex. Rock Hard is awful, and I'm a huge Eric Carr fan. And while it was okay, I couldn't get into him singing Beth. Sam Paxton says there's absolutely nothing wrong with Eric's version of Beth, other than the fact that it exists in the first place. It actually makes me feel better knowing Eric didn't want to do it, but I think they did it in case there was some sort of licensing loophole. Okay, perhaps. Uh, George Masters, I looked at the options before I read the question, and I thought it was going to say, which one do you hate the most? Hmm. Oh, God. Uh, and then we get into uh, some episode-specific comments like we do all the time, and let's take a look at those here. Tons of feedback, as we said earlier. Um, Uncle Polly. I like this one. This episode has everything I look for in a podcast. Spot-on impressions of other podcasts. I don't know what you're talking about, Uncle. <laughs> Judging video chicks on their looks. Toilet humor. Shout it out loudcast is the Lex Luger of podcasts. It's the total package. Oh God. Stop. Uh, Paul's bare feet says, I can't fucking wait for this one. I'm sure it's going to be another amazing episode. Uh, Brian Strutter. It's pretty good, but the drums on I love it loud are weak versus the original. Eric's vocals are on Beth are excellent. Gerald. Don't call me Saul Rosenberg. This was my first kiss album. I bought it in 1990 and listened religiously until I dove into the entire catalog. It was also my first Kiss shirt. The front was the cover of the album. The back said, if it's too loud, you're too old. Graham Richley, random thought. Would it have been more insulting to Peter to omit Beth totally or have Eric sing it? I actually like the novelty of hearing Eric sing, but it did seem like a very provocative move. Then we got one from Diva Social Media. Just found you guys. I'm just listening. Why have I only just found you? With multiple laughing emojis. Awesome podcast. Well, thank you, Diva Social Media. Ken and Satan Service. Another great episode. I always thought Eric singing Beth was a slap in the face to Peter. He did a great job, although it was unnecessary. Iowa Scolder. As a 12-year-old, I showed my mom the promo for it in the back of Circus Magazine and asked for the cassette for Christmas. She freaked out seeing the, the new song titles and said, absolutely not. But it was in my stocking. Thank you, mom. That's a great story. Stuart H smashes, thrashes, and hits with my first kiss LP. I bought with my own money. All right. Well, that's good, I guess. Casey Campbell, great show as always. 
I think they replaced the drum parts on some of Love Gun. Yes, they definitely did. Our buddy Joel Hoffman, if you'd never heard a Kiss song, when Paul talks about the past music, you would think they're the worst band with shitty songs. I hate his revisionist history. He's legitimizing all the haters of this band. In the same breath, they will tell you they are the greatest band. That's a great point, Joel. I agree. We talk about that all the time. Eric Singer's huge hat. I'm going to look around inside this huge hat. I think there's a cassette copy of the album. Uh, West Beach, very good. Was just thinking of taking a listen to this one. Alessandro Rourke, again, my first Kiss release for me. I knew the songs because of my older cousins. Our buddy Steve chimes in, says one of the worst covers ever. Poor sound on a lot of the songs. Uh, Manuel Rodriguez, I bought this compilation when it came out. I love this compilation, and Eric Carr's version of Beth is incredible. Jimmy Theodore, note to Paul, leave the Peter songs alone. Whoa, all right. Uh, and that's Twitter. Okay. Over on our Facebook page, Rob Schwartz. I love this when it came out, except I love it loud. Sounded too wimpy because of the poor drum mix on this version. I haven't listened to this album in 30 years. If I want to hear a greatest hits album, it's double platinum. One of my favorite Kiss albums. You're yep. not alone on that. Charles Eaton. First time I heard this album was on the radio the night before its release. The local radio station always played what they called the midnight snack at yep, midnight on Monday and Wednesday nights. I tuned in a little late and didn't hear the opening telling me who it was, but I didn't need that to know it was Kiss and recorded it to cassette. I wore that tape out till I got to the store to buy the cassette. I love this, especially X and Sex. Oh, teenage boy here. Hello. It sounded great on my car system. Ask anyone in our small town. Old men shaking canes and old women gasping in terror as the sounds bombarding their aged hearing. This was my second kiss purchase. It was pretty much the only thing they could get crazy nights off out of my cassette player. The new songs I love. It doesn't hold up well as production wise today, but it suffers from the nostalgia bump. And therefore, it's one of my favorites. Yep. You guys made my Saturday morning by releasing this review. Thanks. Piss cakes for everyone. Oh, shit. That was from Charles. Don't call me Mark Eaton. Yeah, Charles. Thank you. Uh, Simon Mulan had it on tape, played it to death. Loved it. Martin's Venson, great album. I guess I'm the only one who loves the front cover. Uh, Miroslav Kostek, very good video clip. Let's put the X and Sex. This is very good song. Super new version, Love Gun and Beth. Matthew Mattingly, I, re- I really like this album. Thought the remixes were cool. Found out last year's Rock and Roll Night had a completely different bass, uh, bass track. Eric Sartana Horner, first cassette I bought on my own. Classic. Sean O'Daly, the American version is better than the European version. Jimmy Rolfson, hope you didn't forget to mention the extra guitar solo licks from Ace and Deuce. Never heard until the release of Smashes. Yeah, he's talking about the outro. We did mention that. That is now longer, and you can hear the outro that Ace is playing. Yep. Max Lynch, in 84, Billy Squire puts out the rock video, Rock Me Tonight. and pretty much destroyed his career. What's Paul's response just a few years later? <laughs> and he puts a picture of him in the rock hard video there. That's nothing. Hold my beer. I mean, sparkling cider. What? <laughs> Rick Rera. I hope this episode makes me rock hard. Uh, Michael Norby hated it upon release. Ashamed of it. Proud fan. As I was, I had to defend it every day at school, but 
I was so disappointed. Pointless in hindsight in that double platinum certification is a mystery. Uh, Mark Chet never liked the cover. Uh, Michael Murphy puts a jazz hands gift. Michael Rowan, great episode, gentlemen. And he talks about the songs that we sometimes play in our episode. Keep up the great work. Bean Towners, Tom. No, stop. <laughs> Nobody calls us Bean from Boston, says Bean Town. No stop. Way. We love you, Mike, but stop. Yeah. Johnny Jetson, rock solid. Michael Mikhail holds the sound is awful. Too poppy. Uh, Brian Harris, hate, load, detest. Let's put the X in sec. Lamest, dumbest, most moronic song ever written, recorded by anybody in music history. Wow. Um, yeah, you're wrong. 100% <laughs> wrong. It, you know, you might not like it to say that's the worst song of all time. That's that's a terrible opinion. No offense, Brian. Terrible offense, but that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so over on our group page, Jim Schmitz, this album was my gateway to kiss. Great memories. Mm-hmm. Brian Cruzel, I like Eric Carr's version of Beth as much as Peter Chris's. I know I'm in the minority, but it was my first version. It happens. It yep. does. Uh, Brennan Barrier, my go-to version of Love Gun. I absolutely love the remix they put on it. Dude, do you know how many people jumped in on that and agreed? That is insane. Yeah, I mean, Jebson did, so I don't know what that means. Oh, yeah, but Jebson's he dropped on his head one too many times, that poor yeah. guy, Jepson. Yeah. Go get vaccinated, brother. Um, <laughs> when Kevin Jepson, when this came out, I loved it and listened to it all the time because it was Kiss. Now I really do, unless it's Love Gun. Love that version. But I am a sucker for the two new songs. Man, you guys had me cracking up again. I sure hope we can hang out for some drunk laughter in the buffet on the cruise. Is that the man? That Is this the man who wrecked the buffet at the Harrow Club? <laughs> and talk about cukes, piss cakes, Mr. Feces. What normal people talk about. Uh, we love you, Kevin. Get back. Oh, God almighty. Um, Daniel Peoples, I thought Sonny Pooney was the authority on chick heat index. I don't even know what that means, but okay. I think he's I think he means like like rating the hotness of chicks. Oh, I think. Yeah, because he's commenting on Jepson and those ugly chicks <laughs> from the video. Yeah, no, so Pooney's just oh, he just comments on Bridget Fonda. That's it. Yeah. And his awful taste in music and chicks. Scott Mays, like you guys said, great starter pack for a Kiss beginner. Plus, the original songs are a killer. You really can't argue about the song choices in this album. Tony Smith, without listening, I can tell you this is going straight to the crapper. That's nice. Uh, Jason Warden, this may be a little bit past the starter pack for me. I had rediscovered Kiss around 86 and the sound kicked it off. By 89, I had bought most of their catalog. This era is special to me. The band continued to make new music while celebrating the past. I have to agree with a lot of that, Jason. We came in around yep. the same time. Yep. Uh, Paul Heater. I can't get over Paul's criticism. Some tracks as kitschy. Wikipedia's definition of kitsch art or other objects that generally speaking appeal to popular rather than high art taste. Kitsch is also related to the concept of camp because of its humorous and ironic nature. Paul, seriously, kisses kitsch. Well, you know, you got a point. This is, there, this is why I love our listeners. They're pulling out dictionary definitions and putting Colin Paul out. I love it. Yeah, <clears throat> well, good for them. 
the fact, uh, Graham Richley, the fact that this album is the biggest seller stinks as bad as those skin mark panties. Very sad oh, that the Jesus masses Christ. left kiss after this one. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Stratus, great episode, guys. Thanks for filling my anticipation for this album review. I love this album when I purchased, and I still love this album. It's nostalgia to this day. Love you guys. Keep rocking. And I'm distracted because somebody has this picture of this hot chick underneath uh, the post. So I'm like, who the fuck posted that? Um, Frederick Skyrep put a picture of some hot chick. I don't Frederick know Polowatsky? <laughs> Ogre, you <laughs> asshole. Ogre, you asshole. Uh, Tom, over on our Instagram page. Yeah. Yeah. No class rocker roller. So many fingers. Obviously talking about the uh, image of the the hands up. But then we got, and we wanted to make sure we give a shout out to, is our buddies over at Joyce Home Services. Yeah. They write, thanks, Teensy. You guys are amazing. Funny as hell. We listen at work. And uh, so we're like, we'll give you a shout out next time. He's like, that's great. We're handyman contractors in Toronto, Canada. We listen to you guys when we work. We have the show on the job site. We're big Kiss fans. We love you guys. You guys get us laughing so hard. The whole job site roars. You make the day go back by very fast. We appreciate what you do. Well, um, Joyce Home Services in Toronto. Anybody listening in that area better give those guys a call because they have good taste and sound like quality guys. That's amazing. They, well, they have, they have great taste and they do quality work unless they're falling over laughing to us in the middle of the show while they're installing your furnace. <laughs> exactly. But we thank you guys in Toronto. So. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And Tom, over on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> We're going to start with Man With No Name. When you guys talked about Paul opening those skid marked panties <laughs> from the envelope, I pictured a 1988 Paul with the trademark who farted shit smell green, <laughs> green <laughs> face he wears in every photo that? these days. Ugh. I couldn't stop laughing along with you guys. There's a reason why you guys are the best. Oh, that was awesome. Wait, that's the reason why we're the best? Because we talk about shit stained panties? When she, <laughs> then he saw those shit stained panties and he knew that it was you. I hope there's other reasons why you think we're the best, but I appreciate the, the words anyways, my friend. Toilet humor, Tom. Toilet yeah, exactly. Humor. Pete Stratus, bring back Vinnie Vincent and shredding ability. The world needs a hero right now. Uh, yeah, we'll hear about Vinnie in a little bit. Oh, shit. PC, this is why I love this podcast. I used to listen to three sides, and oh. they just seem angry at their fans at doing their podcast. So great to listen to a podcast where the hosts actually enjoy what they're doing. Every show is varied, and I always look forward to each new one. Definitely the most diverse KISS podcast going. Wow. All right. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to have to eject you from my from my Facebook poster group. Why don't you take a picture of your favorite podcast? And just make, <laughs> and make sure that you put the seal feel so no, nobody can take it from you or you can get the fuck out of here johnny be good never owned it never will i love eric carr rest in peace but to re-record beth is as much a sacrilege as re-recording shock me you just don't duck with those iconic songs 
the voices are just as much as part of the music. Jason Leonard, greetings, lads. Another fantastic episode. I've been waiting for this one. Big Brother bought smashes when we were in high school. At the time, I loved this compilation. Now I only see it as flawed. It sounds weird. I still enjoy the two new tracks. Goofy, but fun. I love the Bruce Kulik intro to this episode. Bruce rules. Tom, want to tell people why Bruce's uh, is uh, bumper just got put on now? You really want me to tell everybody? Go ahead. Well, how Bruce recorded a bumper back in December for our 100th episode, and you forgot about it until fucking August? I'm like, I'd like to rotate them so it's not the same one. And then I'm like, dude, when was the last time I played the Bruce one? I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't think I've ever played the Bruce one. Yeah, Zeus is like, yeah, Tom, don't don't get mad. I'm like, oh, wow, what's the matter? He's like, um... I just used Bruce's bumper for the first time. I'm like, he fucking recorded that eight <laughs> months ago for us. Uh, whoops. Um, whoops. Yeah, that's my that's that's on me, guys. I apologize. So sorry about that one. Devin Dungan. Great episode, guys. I've always enjoyed the compilation. I will say that the perfect compilation for the time would have been a mixture of this. Chikara, more 80s material would have been pretty cool. I can kind of agree. I like uh, it. Anthony. Yep. I'm sorry, Tom. No, I was going to say, I agree with Devin. Good call. Yeah. Anthony Stratus smashes was very popular. Also in Australia upon its release in 88. Let's put the X and sex. I remember was always number two on the radio for months behind the fine young cannibals. Oh, the hit single. She drives me crazy. That is that fucking brutal. Oh my God. <laughs> And they had the other song. What was their other big song? Um, Good thing. Good thing. That fucking band is a disaster. One of the worst to ever come out of the 80s. Okay. Uh, She Drives Me Crazy, which was number one. I still love the Smashers album to this day. Anyways, great episode, Tom and Zeus. Keep rocking. We love it. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Mr. Antonio. I picked up Smashers when it came out on vinyl in 1988 and played the crap out of it. Those music videos, especially You Make Me Rock Hard, has not aged well. Paul prancing, dancing, and clapping his hands makes you feel like he drew inspiration from the choreography found in Billy Squire's Rock Me Tonight video. Which comes up later in this episode. Foreshadowing (laughs) again. Lastly, I see you took the name of his town. What was your father's name? My father's name was Antonio Andolini. You will have to speak up. I can't hear you. His name was Antonio Andolini, and this is for you. Hands Don Ciccio, a limited edition, 1988 Gene Simmons girdle from <laughs> Put the X in Sex video and a Paul Stanley body glove jacket with matching body glove pants, T-shirt, oh. shoes, and guitar. Body glove. <laughs> And a copy of Paul's backstage pass, to which Don Ciccio responds, I will take everything but the book. <laughs> Did he just Terrible. say? Terrible. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Mike. Jesus Christ, Mikey. Let's get him now. While we Let's hit him now while we got the muscle. Oh, one last thing. We also got a DM on Twitter. Uh, and this is from Scott, not Led Zeppelin. I've been loving the show lately. Great way to take my mind off of things in my downtime at work 
Working at the hospital during a pandemic has been a challenge, and you guys definitely helped me get through the long and stressful days. I've always gotten around March Madness for the brackets, but now finally going back and listening to older episodes. You guys are absolutely killing it. Listening here in Lincoln, Nebraska, keep up the great work. Wow. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. And thank you for the work that you're doing yes. during the pandemic and stuff. And uh, we appreciate you listening and stay safe, brother. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Tom. I think we're finishing up with some emails. Yeah, let's fly through some emails here. Bill Sharp, my thoughts on Kiss re-recording Beth. Due to the personal nature of the song, why not have Eric re-record Hard Luck Woman? It was written by Paul and a single. In regards to I Love It Loud not fading back in as it does on Creatures, possibly this was due to time constraints and making room for other material. That's probably right. One last thing about the corrected spelling of rock and roll all night. Do you think it's possible that someone who worked on printing the album cover didn't know any better? I hope not, but you never know. James Thompson, fantastic show this week. One of the great things your podcast does is reintroduces material I haven't thought about in 30 years, such as the case with Smashes, Thrashes, Hits. I got into Kiss in 87 when I saw the Dress to Kill tape at Kmart. I asked my dad to buy it for me, and he told me I wasn't going to like it. By 88, I had almost the entire catalog. Smashes was actually the first new Kiss album I ever bought. Today, greatest hits albums are pointless because you have every single song in history available for instant access. But in 88, they were a godsend. Nobody my age had a CD player back then, and only the richest of the rich kids had a double-decker boombox where you could record tape to tape. So if I wanted to hit Detroit Rock City and I Love It Loud back-to-back in 88, I had to eject my Destroyer cassette and reach for my horrible 80, horribly 80s Creatures tape with Bruce Kulick on the cover in leopard sex pants. <laughs> Love the show. Agree with all your points this week, including Paul turning into the front man. Go back and watch every video they made in the 80s. Paul is always wearing a guitar, but he never fucking touches it. Nice. Mark Peralta. Hey, Z and T. So glad I stumbled on you two on the Jericho podcast. I've spent the better part of two months catching up. So glad you're all doing what you do. Great shows, guests, and you two keep the laughs going each week. I was excited to listen to the Smashes episode last week as that was one of the big entry points for me with Kiss. I pretty much grew up with a working mom and divorced parents and a lot of time, especially in the summer, watching MTV. I can't recall the chronological order, but I would have been around eight when I got smashes, but I don't think it was the actual first album I purchased. I do remember taking hard-earned lawn-cutting money to a local Kmart and purchasing cassettes. Along with some of the bands I was seeing on MTV, like Def Leppard, I started purchasing Kiss because I knew they were a rock band and I liked the album covers. I remember playing the shit out of that compilation along with collecting their 70s discography very young. Uh, And then he goes on and tells this really cool story about Paul Stanley being on a TV show. Cool stuff there. Awesome, Mark. Thank you. Uh, David Clark, shout out Loudcast team. Great podcast as always. It may be my age. I'm getting frightening close to curmudgeon status. But I'm I'm not usually a huge fan of compilation albums unless they are live. Thanks, guys. I got to see the end of the road show before the pandemic hit. Would love to hear your review of the upcoming show that you'll be seeing this month. Thanks for your hard work on the podcast. It's the best out there by far. David C. Thank you, David. Then uh, that review might be coming sooner than you think. Justin Steele, guys, great episode. Brought back a lot of memories. I remember thinking how fucked up all the remixes sound. I also remember thinking how embarrassed I was for Paul in those videos. If it was your only exposure to Kiss and Paul at that time, then I guess it would be fine. But I remember thinking, what is this fucking guy thinking? Paul should have been hanging out with Jim and Saul rubbing small little sand baskets on each other in those videos. 
Uh, and then he goes into the question of the week, talking about what we talked about with Ace and Peter. Uh, thanks, guys. Justin Steele. Great stuff. Uh, good friend, Wes Beach. Gentlemen, thanks for delivering another entertaining and informative show. I had been thinking about giving this album a listen, and then I saw this was your latest episode. And I also got the limited edition version like Tom. I've always been a fan of the two new songs. And they are catchy as hell and rock harder than anything else on the album. And they both had good videos to go along with substandard models, notwithstanding. Been a long time since I listened to Smashes, and now we'll go back and check it out with SIOL ears on and see if I agree with 80s remix and sound. Then he goes on and talks about Sonny's clues and the uh, Kiss Clue game. Great stuff. Awesome, Wes. Thank you. Kevin Northern. Hey, guys, as always, another great episode. I like the idea of putting out a compilation at this time, and don't mind some remixing and tweaking to make those songs unique to that album. Like you guys mentioned, the beginning of Dr. Love on Double Platinum and also Firehouse from that album being bumped up in pitch. But going for the production of the time for me was unnecessary and just sounds terrible. And they could have easily covered everything in their catalog up to that point and made a great double album collection. A double platinum two electric boogaloo, if you will. Thanks always for all you do for the show and for making us loudcasters a part of it. Awesome, Kevin. Thank you. And then we will finish up with Rod Gomond. You, the podcast, has a new fan. Found out about your podcast a couple months ago from, as you say... Stewart. I live an hour south of Vegas, and as a transplant from Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I love listening to your Kiss as well as New England area discussions. My first Kiss concert was at the Providence Civic Center in 1978 as a 14-year-old. Loved it immensely. I was too young to drive. My parents took me, and I remember my dad asking whose socks were on fire since he wasn't a pot smoker. I also remember going out to eat after my ears were ringing. I still have the $7.50 ticket and the write-up in the Providence Journal. I'm lucky in two respects in that I'm only around 30 episodes in. I'm skipping around, so I have many more to go, and I get to listen to new podcasts at 9 on a Friday. As a diehard Jerky Boys fan and you Fargan ice holes playing Roman Maroney clips, I wish we could get together for drinks because that would, I am sure, be a gut buster of a night. Keep up the fantastic work in Kiss We Stand. Rod from Kingman, Arizona. P.S. Is it just me or are concerts not as loud as they used to be? The loudest concerts I remember was the above mentioned Kiss concert, Ozzy and Providence Pantera at the joint in Las Vegas. See is later jerky. And Rod, thank you for all that great stuff. And you, the fan, our comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) And as far as your comment about concerts not being loud as they used to be, I don't really agree with that. Concerts are still loud. Maybe Kiss turns down the volume a little bit at their shows, but I haven't really noticed a big difference. That being said, I've never seen Ozzy and Pantera, so I don't think much is going to compete with those two shows live. If it's too loud, you are too old. Oh, God. That is not a good song. <clears throat> that is not a good song. Stop. All right. <laughs> let's get you on a monster sonic boom argument online again. Uh, with oh, Taylor. please. You, you people out there. You know, I thought the ace cult was bad. Now there's a, now there's, I'm going to create, now there's a monster cult. <laughs> the fuck is the matter with you people? God. And I love that. And I love, love that super lazy take of, oh, you don't like him because of the lineup. We love Eric and Tommy. We say it all the time. That album is not good. Period. 
we'll talk to you about Sonic Boom. When we get to Sonic Boom, we may have a yes, different exactly. Like we might each have a different opinion of it. Uh, who knows? Yep. Um, I, I, I'm just I, I'm not that like on down on Monster, but you know I, I, I can see your point, and you have a right to think the way you want to. So yeah. Um, the other thing I want to give a shout out to Daryl Alber, our buddy, oh. for putting that video together of uh, the comments we made about. About the friggin' lady from the video from Let's Put the X in Sex and uh, her ball splitter. And then oh. he made the video and he put it in the background of, and it was Marsha Brady, not Jan Brady, who got in trouble for drawing the picture of George Washington. And then yep. our, our good buddy, Jericho, when he saw it, texted us and said, I always thought it looks like the Eastern, Easter Island lady. Like yes, it's an Easter Island. We're like, oh shit! And oh that reminded God. me, Tom. And I says we laughed about this. It reminds me of the Easter Island boy that was in the TV uh, in the comic. Yep, uh, the critic. That's right. Stars Doc McGee as <laughs> the critic from the cartoon. There was an Easter yep. Island boy. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, on that side note, but before we move on to Kiss World, I want to give a quick shout out to our patreon uh subscribers and patreon is where people can uh uh, connect with us and get uh, a couple extra perks and join a little community uh there are different levels there anybody that's interested can look and see if that's something that you might like and join this week we want to thank jean francois albert i don't know if i'm saying it correctly from all the way in france excellent joined and i'm not sure if i again I'm trying to think of every hockey player I can think of French Canadian, but this is, I'm assuming this is from France since he paid in euros. Uh, Jean-Francois Albert. Uh, thank you, Jean-Francois. Much appreciated. We love your emails to us. Uh, we thank you for your contribution and your help. And we, uh, we hope that you will continue to uh, be uh, an active member on, on Patreon, which is uh, where we, uh, connect with you guys and uh i i can't say enough it's been a, a great addition to the podcast and we really uh really thank you and appreciate all that you guys do for us on the patreon network absolutely you guys are the best and a special shout out to uh, jean francois thank you so much for contributing and becoming a part of the patreon family for shout out loudcast and to everybody out there that has been uh, a, a family member there on Patreon. We thank you guys so, so much. Uh, every week, our gratitude uh, is just so much for what you guys have been doing. So, Tom, what we do next is we go on to Kiss World. But uh, in this world, it seems like there's not much going on. There's a bunch of uh, tumbleweeds going by in Kiss World. Nothing really going on. Uh, well, the only thing going on is uh, anything. What's going on? The rent, motherfucker. <laughs> you got a job? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Get the fuck out of my face. Uh, no, the only thing that's going on is our excitement level for uh, the end of the road to start next Wednesday. Uh, we'll be there. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that Kiss is not postponing it or anything. They're, they're posting things on their social media saying how they're excited to get back at it. August 18th in Massachusetts. Uh, so we're fired up for that. However, um, our friend, the demon is making the news and, um, because he, he he likes to be a little passive aggressive on Twitter with his retweets, you know, his his comment free retweets. But then he did did, a, did an interview recently and he's given his thoughts on COVID-19, which we're no surprise. If you follow him on Twitter, you know what they are. 
But then he comes out and says, uh, I'm not worried. And it's unkind to say this. I'm not worried if an idiot gets COVID and dies. <laughs> okay. Look, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you know, you, everybody's got their own opinions on COVID. Some of them are stronger than other, but I, I really don't know what the fucking end game is for Gene to come out with a comment like that. I just don't know what you're doing by saying that. I just don't. Even if you, even if people agree with him, which there are, because I've seen them on social media, I, I don't understand what, but then again, all of these older rock guys, they don't give a fuck because they've established their career. They got nothing to gain. And in their eyes, they got nothing to lose. You see it with D Snyder and Sebastian Bach. Now you've seen it with Gene, but it just, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth just because like, I don't want to hear fucking Gene Simmons say, I don't care if an idiot gets COVID and dies. I mean, come on, man. I prefer passive aggressive gene Twitter. Actually, I miss pandemic Paul, to be honest with you. Oh, you, don't. <laughs> uh, you know me. I, I love what Gene said. I'm high-fiving him for it. Good for him. But that's why we have a different opinion. We're not the same person. We don't have the same opinion about politics, music, sports, and kiss. That's what makes this show fun. Yep, so, yeah, agreed. He's fucking being a little bit more aggressive. I agree with you. I think it's, you know, he's at the point where he can get away with it. I think like the Sebastian Box and the lower tier people need to watch out that they alienate a lot of the fan base that they have yeah. by, by holding these strong beliefs. But you got to give them credit. They want to feel the way and say it. Oh, and they don't care yeah. about their fan base leaving them. Then good for them if they really strongly believe in it. Gene is just. It's fucking Gene, you know? Of course. Of uh, course. He's going to share his opinions and tell us, the fans, how it is. Uh, you know, and Paul's out there doing his usual shtick out there sharing. And now he's got this big thing with S.E. Cup, the political talk. Oh, yeah. They're in love with each other now. Wait, you can do yeah. like, like, oh, my goodness. The Renaissance man's in effect. Other than that, we got our concert coming up on the 18th. Let's see if that goes. And if it does go, then we get to meet heavy mayo in person. And oh this is the last episode that would air before that. So if any of you guys are out there or ladies that will be at the concert, send us a message. Come and Let find us. us. No. <laughs> yeah, we'll set something up. Beers are on you. No problem. <laughs> Beers are on you. The fan. <laughs> Bud lights. <laughs> Woohoo. Yes. Let's do this. Yes. So we'll see you on Wednesday. Make sure you find us. Contact us online if you guys are going to be at the show. Yep. So, Tom, um, we're moving on to the actual interview we just conducted. And uh, when we, we, you know, when we joined Pantheon and they told us, you know, we're going to have Carmine and Vinny. I, see, I can't even say a Peace Brothers. Papacy and a peace. All right. Um, We were super excited and we've been planning this for quite some time. Uh, We finally got a found a time that works for our schedule and Carmine's. And uh, we got a pretty lengthy interview with him and it's filled with fascinating stuff for us. So we went on a little bit of a little bit of, what would you say a little personal privilege that we took and asked about some other subjects that we like, but about rock and roll, we hope and we think that you guys will like it too, as much as the stuff that he t- discusses about kiss 
fascinating, legendary person. Legendary. Yeah, when you get somebody like Carmine Apice on here with the with the track record that he has, the resume, the history that he has, you can't just have him on and talk about the stuff that he's had with Kiss, which which is a lot. We we had to pick his brain, and and like Zeus said, we go off a little bit, but we know that you're not just Kiss fans who listen to this show. That your rock music, you know, classic rock, metal, whatever. He, he he talks and just listening to somebody like him with the experiences that he's had with the people he's played with, you can't help but want to listen to it more. And he, he just he just loved to he loves to talk about his history and he should because it's an amazing story. Yeah. So this is a guy that can boast that. No, he didn't see him in concert. He hung out with these people. So he's friendly with Jimi Hendrix. The Led, Led Zeppelin, Rod Stewart, Kiss, you name it. He knows it. He's been on the Ed Sullivan show. He's, every drummer knows him and quotes him. At one point, I talk about Greg Prado's um, book, Bonzo, Off the Air. I think I talked about him with him. Mm-hmm. He has a book called 30 Rock Drummers Remembering the Legendary John Bonham. And he, another oral history book. Greg is the great, great writer. We had him on our show when we did the um, uh, the Kiss uh, non-makeup uh, book that he did. And he also has a biography on Eric Carr. Greg's awesome. He does these oral history books. And on this book, there's like 30 drummers talking about how incredible John Bonham is. Half of them bring up uh, Carmine's name. Yep. Half of them talk about, well, yeah, he, you know, Carmine Apice actually came a little bit before Bonham. Bonham was influenced by Carmine Apice. Exactly. This is insanity to me. Like, And we're talking to him. The yep. fucking mud shark story with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> uh, maybe that's discussed here. Like, there is so much shit you can get into. There's stuff from the album review crew that we get into with him, and that's why we asked him. You know, he brings up poison in a couple of things. There's a lot of fun stuff in here. We were uh, ecstatic. We think you will be too. Tom, any, yeah. fur- any other words you want to add before we uh, go into this? Yeah, just real quick. One thing I want to add is the one, the other thing I love about this raw honesty, just telling you what he thinks and he does not care. It's just, it's just raw honesty. And that's what we want. He's got experiences like no one else out there. And he's telling the stories and he's telling the truth about what he thinks, what he saw, his experiences, just fantastic stuff. We hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. The music industry, everything, you name it, he goes into it. Guys, this is a great one, and we are so proud to have gotten this interview. And uh, he's turned out to be a great guy. So uh, here it is, Carmine Apice. All right, so people, we got a legend in the house tonight. He has been in the bands Vanilla Fudge, Cactus, Blue Murder, King Cobra when they opened for Kiss on the Asylum Tour. He's played with such legends as with Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, Rick Derringer, Ted Nugent, Pink Floyd, Ozzy Osbourne. Paul Stanley, Vinnie Vincent, among others. And he is our fellow Pantheon podcast brother. And speaking of brothers, he's doing a show with his brother, also drum legend Vinnie Apice, co-host of Hanging and Banging. We are thrilled to have drumming icon and legend Carmine Apice on the show today. Carmine, welcome. How you doing, man? I, I got a question for you. Is that a real mic or is that, a, is that just a mic? 
Oh no, this is a real mic. We are all yeah. ready to go here. Nope, this is because I met with the owner of uh, Pants Pan, Pan, Pan Christian and Peter. Uh, yep. Actually, yeah. So he's. They said we got to get our mics a uh, sound better. So we're going to use mics. So tonight I'm going to use my girlfriend. My my girlfriend has a podcast called A Life Story. And okay. She's a major uh, talk show host in New York City for years. Oh, nice. Opposite, opposite Howard Stern, and she used to get like the number three ratings. Six seven hundred thousand people a day. Oh wow! Now awesome. she's got this great podcast about old people, and and Christian is saying, "Man, she's got, she's got a great sound on there." That's what we got to do for you guys. I said, "Okay." So tonight I'll be using a mic. There you go. Instead <laughs> of this. No, you Add- sound great. You sound great now. It's cool. working for us. Yeah. Yep. Now, so before cool. we get into the interviews, every time we have a guest on, because we're a KISS podcast, we like to have some fun with our guests. We like to ask some questions just to get to know where you stand as a KISS fan. Fun, harmless questions here. Zeus is going to fire those off, and then we're going to get into the interview. All right, Carmine. So first one we ask, favorite KISS member? Member? Yeah. I, I can't answer that. I know okay. I, I know them all. Okay. We know. Know it's a all right. I'll, I'll yeah. change it a little bit. Who are yeah. you closest with? Well, I used to be close to um, Paul, very oh. close to Paul. Okay. But you know, over the years, it's been faded away a bit. But then I was also close to Peter. You know, I went on vacation with Peter in Mexico with, with our wives at the time. Wow. You know, okay. We, you know, we hung out. I went to his house. I got. I used to tell him to get back into playing, get off those electronic drums. You know, Paul, I took to Rod Stewart parties and, you know, uh, one time went to a Midas muffler place together. Uh, I had to to fix my ruffler and my Jaguar, which looked like a Bentley and Rolls Royce. And Paul came with me and and the guys asked the guys, hey, you guys in a band? You know, those are the days when Paul never took off the the makeup. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I said, "Ah, yeah, we play a little bit, you know. And then when we finished the job, I said, he should only know who he had in here. I was playing with Rod, playing Six Nights at the Forum, you know, number yep. one records and and uh, and Paul. I remember when we went to see uh, Angel together. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why Paul has been my closest guy, you know. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, when I see Angel together, we're sitting, like, in the audience, and all these little girls and fans are pointing to us, and I'm figuring they're pointing to Paul. They were pointing to me because they didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. Funny. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Funny. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, and uh, when they did their first arena tour, yeah, I opened up for them when I was playing with Leslie West and Mountain. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah. And we opened up for Kiss on the, I don't know how many, a lot of shows. Matter of fact, when I saw that show with the fire and everything, I, I got inspired in my drum solo, put light, lighter fluid on my cymbals. And I lit him up, and then when I hit him, the lighter fluid would go all over the place. Jeez. I had a little fire in front of the stage. Couldn't do that no more. You can't do those kind of pyrotechnics no, anymore. No. Wow. That's no, crazy. No. All right. Do you have a favorite Kiss song? Uh, I don't know. I, I like kind of the disco song that they wrote after I did Do You Think I'm Sexy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Paul, Paul was hanging out with us then, and he, He's, he I was made for loving wanted, you. Yeah, he's, he always wanted a song like that, and I thought that was a pretty cool song. Okay, so maybe then uh, you're to blame for when all the Kiss fans turned and like, oh, Kiss went disco. Yeah, yeah same with Rod. They, they went disco. <laughs> right, right. But, but how big did how big did that song go? That's exactly. what hey, that's what Paul says too, right? Yeah, that was yeah, and, you co- said about and you co wrote that, right? I co wrote the thing I'm sexy, and when we yeah. recorded it, it didn't sound like that. 
sound like big fat guitars and big drum yeah. sound. And Tom Dowd, the producer, put orchestras on and all kinds of stuff. Yep. And uh, David Foster and uh, Tom oh, Scott. Wow. And then before you know it, it, it sounded like it sounded. But hey, it went to number one in every every free country. So I yeah. certainly did. Yep. Do you have a, a favorite Kiss album? No, I'm not really. I'll tell you the truth. Since I, I knew the guys, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a fan fan. Okay. It was uh, a friend, more yeah, a friendship. More friend. I mean, my, my favorite Kiss album is Paul Stanley's solo album that I played. Ah, perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Makes Good sense. Call. Makes sense. Good call. Um, I did like Ace Frehley's album, too. Yep. 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 Now, do you have, um, do you remember, now, did you ever see them? No, you were bigger before they even hit it big. Yeah. When oh, Kiss yeah. hit it big. So you weren't going there as no. a kid buying a ticket to go see Kiss. No, but no, do you remember no. how many uh, tours? How many tours have you done with them? Besides well, I did that one with uh I did the one with um Leslie. Yeah. I did the one with King Cobra. Yep. Yep. And then I did the album with Paul. Mm-hmm. And and I was managed by a coin management at the same yes. time. Oh yeah. And when they did that thing, the movie at about the park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and they had the live thing. I was, I was there. I was backstage with them. And I hung oh, out wow. with them a lot in the, in the late seventies, you know? Yep. So yep. you've probably seen them perform over 50, hundred times, maybe a hundred times. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Do you have a, a favorite like memory with kiss? Any story favorite one that you might have? Um, I think let's I start off. Let's start off. Let's start off with a couple of them. <laughs> Let's start off with this question, and that could lead to a story. So we know that you played on Paul Stanley's solo album, right? which is a huge favorite of Zeus and I. We love that album. Kiss fans love yeah. that album. Tell us tell us how, because that was 1978. Tell us how you got involved with Paul, like what your relationship was with him and in, in, in why you only performed on that one song as opposed well, to... I actually, I recorded a few songs. Okay. You know, in those days when you did an album, you, you over-recorded. Okay. You know, and then whoever the producer and Paul picked the songs, you know, it just so happened that, you know, I didn't play on the songs that the ones he picked. Gotcha. You know? But the one I played on really left an impression on everybody because I can tell you a funny story. When that album came out, I was doing clinic tours and I, I had done one tour at that time. I went to one music store. And I get questions. I said, what are, what's the drum fills you played on Take Me Away? Is that the name? Take Me Away Together yeah. as One. Yeah, that's a great yeah. song. What's the drum fills you played on that? And I tell you the truth, I didn't remember because, <laughs> you know, when I play and record, I just play whatever comes to my mind. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't rehearse like, oh, this is going to be here and that's going to be there. I just play what I feel. So I said, honestly, I don't remember what I played. And I haven't really listened to the song you know, you know, it's just come out and I don't have a cassette of it, you know? Yep. So gotcha. next day, same thing happened. Right. And the third day I said to the store, I said, you got a copy of that new uh, Kiss, you know, Paul Stanley album. Yeah. He said, no, but there's a record store next door. So I went next door and I actually bought the record on a CD, on a cassette. I put it in my Walkman and I listened to it. And then I listened to the film. And I said, okay, I know if I got that question again, I'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> sure enough, the next two clinics, I did five clinics that week. Every one of them asked me about that song. Really? Wow. And the last two I knew about. You know, I knew yep. what I did. 
But, you know, so that's really how it happened. I, I just came back from uh, Asia with Rod Stewart. And I remember I went right into the studio. I was fried. I slept on the plane. I went right in the studio and I was fried. I, I must have done two or three songs at least. And, uh, you know, Paul had been staying with, hanging out with me, as I was saying. Yeah. And, and then Paul, I said to Paul, I'm, I'm looking for a manager. He goes, well, you should call Bill. So I did. So I called Bill LaCoin and he liked the idea. And while I was at Rod, he was managing me and he, he hired me publicity uh, people in everywhere I went with Rod. Like if I went to Europe, he'd hired me a, a PR person for Europe. In America, we had a PR person. In Japan, we had a PR person, wherever I went. So I was getting major press about being with Rod and, and then playing on the Kiss album and hanging out with Kiss. And then uh, he opened up a West Coast office called A Coin, the West Coast in, in Westwood. Mm-hmm. And I'd go down there and they had uh, Carol Ross. Carol Ross was the PR person who's still a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forgot there was another big guy. I can't remember his name. But then Alan Miller w- ran the West Coast. And then when a coin and Alan broke up, Alan stayed out in L.A. And he said, look, you can stay with me and be a big fish in a little sea or stay with Bill and be a little fish in a big sea. So I stood with Alan and I was, Alan was my manager. And we did some great things together. Yeah. You know? and nice. Then, yeah. But I still hung out with Paul and, uh, I brought Paul to Rod Stewart parties, you know. He loves Rod Stewart. Oh, I know he does. He he doesn't stop talking. Till this day now, even in recent, he always brings him up constantly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did you guys talk to him? Paul? Yeah. No, no, we're we're hoping you would do it for us. (laughs) We don't don't talk (laughs) to Paul. I mean, I I text him. He texted me back. But lately, he's, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. But he's, uh, I know he's knocked down his house. He's building another one. Yep which I don't understand why he's doing it in L.A. <laughs> Nobody understands LA. that either. <laughs> Everybody's leaving L.A. Yeah. And yeah. The government is awful. You know, <laughs> yeah. So was your experience with Paul, did that, and then signing with a coin, did that lead to King Cobra kind of then jumping on board for opening for Kiss? Yeah, or how did that? It did. It did. Okay. Because uh, I had gotten out of uh, – I was fired from Ozzy because I. Uh, yeah, I want to hear about to, that a little more, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah well, I was just, you know, I was doing master classes every day, and every every market, so I was making big money doing that, and I was giving the cash to the tour accountant, so he was holding a lot of money for me, and Sharon didn't like the fact that I was making money while on the road with her. Maybe it'd been better if I gave her a ten percent commission, but you know, I <laughs> gotcha. had a contract. My contract said I can do this. I even had my own merchandise on the tour. Yeah. You know, the Winterland oh, okay. sold my Carmine merchandise. You know, it was called, uh, I forgot what we had, but we had pictures of me on the drum set. And then suddenly all of my T-shirts had the head cut off it, <laughs> you know? And uh, that was in the Motley Crew book, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Motley, was, Motley was the opening act. And, uh, you know, and she tell me that I'm, I'm tired when I go on the, Stage, I said, wait a minute, I'm not tired. Ozzy's the one who's tired. Many times you go on the stage, you go, oh, man, I'm a bit back. I said, come on, Oz, let's go on. We're getting on there, you know. And then in, in one big article in the newspaper in Cleveland, Ohio, in the main newspaper, had a full-page article. And, and they said, what's the biggest effect in the show? And I said, the, the stairs open up, my drum riser comes down, I do a drum solo. 
you know, and, you know, it's uh, an effect. I said, I didn't come up with the idea. It was Sharon and Ozzy's idea. You know, I could do a drum solo anywhere, you know, under the stage is fine, you know? So, so happened that night, the drum riser didn't work like that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's the same night the heads were cut off the thing, you know. Oh, and, so, and she kept telling me, you know, that uh, blah 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 this and that about my master classes. And next thing you know, Tommy Aldridge came to see us in Texas, and <laughs> we had an amazing show that night. It was really great. Yeah, and I was even hanging out with Tommy because he's a friend of mine. Yeah, I didn't know he was there to replace me the following Monday, and then she just scammed <laughs> me. She just said, you know. Your name's too big. You need to have your own group. So she told wow. me. You know, and she fired wow. me. And, and, you know, we had a lawsuit going. And later on, Ozzy, when I went. But on that tour, I did figure out that when I was going to do my band, when she fired me, I was going to do the opposite look of Motley Crue. Okay. Motley Crue had three guys with black hair and one brun- uh, one blonde. Yeah. So I figured I'll be the black haired guy with purple in it. Right, because on that tour, I'd walk into a hotel with my black and purple hair and a big black fur coat in the winter, and I walk to the hotel and I go, "Here's your key, Mr. Osborne." They give it to me. <laughs> and no, 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 he's Mr. Osborne. He had a mink coat on and, and black, black and white street hair. Street That's hair, funny. Blonde and, blonde and black, you know. Anyway, so so then I did King Cobra, and we did the first album. We tried to get on good tours. We toured with Autograph. And yep. had a big stage set. I put a fortune into that band because I got a lot of money from, you know, merch, merch deal because, you know, the merch for King Cobra was good because of yep. the look. Yep. You know, and then, uh, and then on the second album, we, well, we didn't really tour it. We toured with Autograph. You know, and Autograph, you know, we were blowing them off the stage. I had this $20,000 stage set. Everything was black, gold, and red. My drums. The stage set, the risers, everything, the clothes—they all tied into the concept, you know. Yep. And we were blowing them off every night, so they finally said we couldn't use our stage set. <laughs> right? so we did that. We still blew them off, and then, and then, like we couldn't get any other tours, you know. Wow. So, uh, so then we did a second album, and then we, we had to get on a big tour. So, but you know, Alan Miller was still my manager. Mm-hmm. And he knew all the guys in Kiss. He knew everybody. So me, Alan, and, and uh, uh, Paul and Gene, you know, we did a phone call. We said, dude, we really need your help. You know, can you bring King Cobra on your tour? Mm-hmm. And they said yes. And not only did they say yes, they paid us. Wow. Which they okay. weren't doing really they at that time. A lot of money. No, they were just talking where people would pay them. Yeah, you know, but right. they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't need the money. And we were friends, you know. And, you know, it was, I think it was Gene or Paul's birthday, and we all came out on this, on their stage, you know, and brought out a cake. And, you know, and, and I had my own motorhome, my own truck and everything. But the motorhome kept breaking down. <laughs> it kept, you know, like being – and it became like a tour thing. They go, hey, they're going to make it tonight? or what? We, we made it no matter what. If we had to That's get awesome. two cars and we made it and then, you know, it became like a little joke. And I, oh, yeah. I was good friends with Eric. I was good friends with Bruce Kulik. Yeah. You know, and uh, Eric, the other Eric. Eric yeah, Carr. Yeah, Eric Carr. The late Eric Carr. I was Eric good Carr. friends with Eric, you know, all the Eric's. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember um, the other Eric was a, a contestant on my uh, 
and my drum wars, uh, drum war, my drum off. You oh, know, wow. The a drum off, I started that. Okay. And I did five of them in LA, and Eric was one of them. And he was discovered at my drum off by Lita Ford. And that's wow. how he, wow. And, yep. and from that's that... how he started his career. Wow. You know, so we, we're really good friends, you know. That's great. Was, so now, yeah, I was going to ask no, you, though, ahead, you've mentioned all three drummers from Kiss that you've known and you know personally. Do you, yeah. is any way you can kind of give us a, your, you know, their styles or, you know, yeah, what I, you I think? Like, like, I think, like, I thought Peter was a good drummer, but it was an old style. Yeah. He wasn't like, uh, he wasn't, uh, even he was though he like, grew up in New York and he had yeah, the same yeah. influences as me, he never, I don't think he studied. So yeah, you know, he was he was good, but good to a point. And Eric, Eric was the second one. Eric, oh. Eric Carr, he was a good, he was a good player, you know. And uh, but he wasn't there long enough to really get for me to get an idea of his playing. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Where Eric Singer, he won. You know, he came in like in the top five of my drum off. And I knew he was a good, really good drummer, and he never stopped practicing. Yeah, and he, and he was great with twirling and doing all that. And he was a real—he's probably the most technical drummer Kiss had. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we've heard that. I love Eric. I like—I liked him with with uh, Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And I, at one point, I asked Alice, "How come you know you don't get somebody like me to play with?" He says, "I like to give new guys a chance." <laughs> and that's the same thing. There was a rumor going around when uh, when Peter left that I was going to be asked to join Kiss because I was around with them. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that because I was I was just going to ask that you you played on Paul's album in '78, and not long after that, that's when a lot of the friction right. happened with Peter. Right. When Peter left, were you ever in discussion to be the next well, Kiss drummer? I, there was discussion. I remember I discussed it. I think with Gene. Because yep. when, when I was doing King Cobra after the Capitol deal, I was meeting with Gene about putting King Cobra on his label that he had at the time. Yes. Yep. And I go up to his house and hang out with his kids and, you know, and the, and his wife. I knew his wife and his kids. You know, I, I knew them all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the one I knew the least of was Ace. But Ace always was, was good to me. You know, whenever I go see Ace, he'd bring me backstage. He, he gave me his book. He signed it to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there come, my, my boy. <laughs> yeah, such a funny man. Was that his an ace impression? Oh, yeah, we'd love to hear it some more. We, we love ace impressions. I, I can't do it anymore because <laughs> it's too high. My voice has got reflux and I keep losing my voice. You know, just got to so, slur your words a little more, whether you're yeah. drinking or you're not. Hey, That's all. I, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That's it. Yeah, but I, but I love Paul. Yeah. You know, and Gene was always Gene. You know, Gene was always the business guy. Oh, yeah. And, well, here's something funny. Okay, here's, you'll appreciate this. Uh, we grew up in Brooklyn, New York, me and my brother. We went, we were doing a drum war show in New York. So we went to our old house in Brooklyn with my girlfriend, Leslie Gold, the radio chick. Yeah. So we're standing outside the house taking pictures. So a, a guy comes out, he's dressed with a yarmulke, and it ends up he's a rabbi. And he goes, could I help you? I said, oh, we used to live here. He goes, oh, are you the two famous drummers that used to live here? We said, yeah. He goes, oh, come on in. So we go in and we're seeing the whole thing. So he goes, you know, do you know Gene Simmons? And I said, yeah, I know Gene Simmons. Why? He goes, because he went to my yeshiva when he was a kid, you know. 
And we're trying to get a hold of him to maybe do a charity for our yeshiva. <laughs> I said, oh, wow. I said, wow. I said, what a coincidence. That oh, is, yeah. You know? Small world. I said, uh, well, look, I, what I'll do, I'll give you their man- his manager's number. You can call his manager. I never knew what happened. Yeah. I gave him <laughs> Doc McGee's number because I knew Doc McGee from when I toured with Ted Nugent. Pat Travis was our opening act. Mm-hmm. And he used to manage Pat Travis. That was yep. the first band he ever managed. Yep. You know, so I used to hang out with Doc a lot. You know, and Doc's always been a good friend through all. Oh the, yeah, on Jovi area. You know, I just saw him in New York last year before COVID, with yep. uh, Richie Sambora and his uh, girlfriend playing guitar. You know. Yeah, you have so, Richie on your album, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do. and a bunch of others. Ingve oh, Malmsteen. How's that guy anybody. like? He, well. Yeah. It's interesting. I flew down to Florida to get him and he had a studio in his house and uh, I went in and I played on one of his tracks and he played on my track and he played a bit different on my track than he ever played. He really? played more bluesy. Okay. You know? But we had a good time. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a bit, I know he's a bit egotistical, but he's got the right. He's an animal. Yeah, he is. He's a monster. We uh, yeah, he we is. we did an album review on uh, his Odyssey album that he has Jolyn Turner on, and oh, we yeah. talked about his playing. I just it just sometimes it gets a little bit like way too long and stuff, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it, his yeah. talent is undeniable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's unbelievable. I mean, that's what Vinnie Vincent was trying to be on his on his Vinnie Vincent Invasion albums, trying to be like Ingve, but you know, he doesn't play that good. He plays <laughs> like he played on Kiss. Well, me with Carmine and the Rockers, he plays that stuff amazing. He's yep. a really great songwriter, but he's a bit of a fucking asshole. <laughs> you know? Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Now, you yeah. knew him before, yeah. uh, like in the 80s, right? Early 80s. I knew him in the 70s. Oh, even more. 1979, beginning of 79. You know, I was thinking of doing a... a a band, you know, like a, the new wave thing was happening, you know, yep. and I was with Andy Johns. Andy Johns did our demos, and Vinnie wrote these really cool Beatle kind of songs, really good songs. Yeah, you know. And then we had this guy, which was Vinnie's friend Cyril. His name was Cyril Sleamflon. I said, God, that's <laughs> an awful name for a rock guy, you know. And he always wore these polka dot shirts, a shirts with zeros on. I said. And Sting had just come out in 78 with the police named Sting. Yeah. So why don't we just call you Zero? Yeah. You know? He said, okay. So he was Zero. We had Vinnie Cassano, me, and Eddie Spaghetti was a guitar, rhythm guitar singer. So we'd all sing. And it was a great little band. We did a lot of shows up and down the West Coast. We headlined two nights at the Whiskey. Everybody came to see us. Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Money, all the guys in the Knack. Robin, uh, Robin Givens. I mean, everybody came to that show, you know, and it wasn't because of Vinnie Vincent, you know, because, you know, I just came out of Rod Stewart. I was actually playing with Rod Stewart. Yeah. And that's the day I, I did a, a drum off at Tower Records on Sunset Boulevard to promote those gigs. I had over 3000 people at the Guitar Center wow. I mean, at the Tower Records. And everybody filtered out onto the street. We ended up being on Eyewitness News that night in L.A., you know, which promoted the hell out of me and my show. Which yeah. Sold yep. out at the Whiskey two nights, you know. And, uh, you know, and we did all our material. We didn't do anything from my past. 
It was all our material, which I still have on tape that I could I want to release, but Vinny won't let me do it. And you're legally, you're, you're not allowed to do that until. Well, he, I mean, I could do it, but I don't want to, I don't want any more you know, lawsuits. What the hell do I need a lawsuit? Lawsuits. Is that something that Vinny does? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm being sarcastic. We, we know all about it. And well, so, as a matter of fact, after, yeah. you know, we had a deal that we'd split all the writing and publishing, you know, and we'd split the, uh, you know, the, the money for the record deal, mm-hmm. we split the money, you know, 25% each for royalties. And, you know, and this was built on my name. Of course. You know, nothing. Yep. Nobody knew Vinnie Cassano. Nobody yep. knew Eddie Spaghetti or Zero. <laughs> Alan Miller was yeah. managing it. And, you know, we had all the connections. So I said, look, we'll split everything, you know, keep the band happy. So at the end, Vinnie says, no, just as we were about to sign a record deal, he says, I don't want to split the writing. I said, well, you don't want to split the writing, then you're out of here, you know, because that's the deal. You signed a contract to that deal. Yeah. So you didn't do it. So we blew it all out. I blew it all out. Wow. And then a few months later, I get a call from Paul and Gene. I said, Carmine, we're thinking of using this guy, Vinny Cassano on guitar. What do you think? I said, well, what do you mean? What do I think? Do I think of his talent? What do we think of his personality? <laughs> said, yeah. I said, well, he's really got a lot of talent. He's a great writer. He sings okay. And he's, he's a great guitar player. But as far as personality, forget it. Stay away from him. He's nothing but trouble. You know? And that proved to be the case because, we, yeah. like, we, they, like we say, he's supreme, he, supremely talented songwriter and player, but he can't get out of his own goddamn way. Unbelievable. Even lately. I had a, a whole thing with him. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, this guy, Derek Christopher, who's my friend now, was booking Vinny at a gig in Memphis and Nashville. So he got a hold of me and said, uh, it would be really cool if you, if you want to play with Vinny Vincent, you know, on this. And I said, He's been, you know, absent for 25 years. I heard he's a woman now. Yeah. You know, you I'm, know. Going, I'm going, I don't know if it's me, but the, the lead singer of King Cobra, Mark Free, is now a woman, too. I said, yeah. maybe it's me. <laughs> you know? That's, well, that's two. Right? Yeah, but, but and Mark's a great, Marcy, Mark, Marcy, Mark, amazing yeah. singer. Yeah. He's a great singer. But him, too, he's got problems. You know, he, I got some deals for some live King Cobra done on the radio and, and she said I don't want to do it. I said, okay. Wow. I mean I'm just doing it's not about money for me. I said to him, yeah, to her, it's not about money. It should be you're such a great talent. You're such a great front man fronting the band. You sound great. You know, we we created something that made a mark, you know? Let's just put it out just for fun. You know? Nobody's no. gonna make money on the record business anymore. There's no business anymore. Now, those King Cobra albums, I mean, you guys opened up for Kiss. Those albums came out right at the time when that music was huge. Can you, yeah. w- what's your theory on why King Cobra didn't become like the band well, that it should have? We, we had the wrong PR people at Capitol. Okay. You know, you know. Anyway, you want me to finish Vinnie Vincent first? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Do that, please. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so I said, look, I'll be interested. So, he said, why don't you guys talk? So he gave me Vinny's number, and I called Vinny, or Vinny called me. I can't remember. 
And we talked for like two or three hours, you know, reminiscing on the old days and how good a band it was we had and blah, blah, blah. I told him I got all the songs. I sent it to him. I said, they really sound good. They, they still sound good, you know. And then he thanked me for, for when he was trying to put the invasion together. Me yep. and my brother Vinny had a company called uh, a Peace Brothers Drum Rentals, you know. And Alan Miller lent him. Alan was in charge of it. He lent Vinny a drum set for a, a month to audition drummers. And so he thanked me for that, which I thought was nice. I didn't even mm-hmm. know we re- gave it to him, mm-hmm. you know. And we talked and things were good. And he said, yeah, I want to do these gigs and then we can go out and do other gigs and blah, 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 blah. And I said, great. I said, who do you want to use on bass? And he, he says, I don't know. I said, why don't we get Tony Franklin on bass? You know, and he played with me in Blue Murder, my guitar zoos. I did a band yeah. in Japan with him. Yeah. He's my favorite you know, bass player to play with today. He's awesome. He plays fretless bass. He played with The Firm, Jimmy Henry. Jimmy oh, yeah. played with Blue Murder, but... So, so Vinny said, yeah, that sounds good, you know? So then I got back to, and he must have got back to Derek, and Derek said, okay, we're putting this gig together. We got contracts. Me and, me and Tony signed the contract. Derek gave us the money as a down payment. And then, you know, we're start, trying to get a set list from Vinny, which was impossible, you know? <laughs> and then, then it started getting weird and more weird. And before you know it, Derek gave Vinny money a lot of money, right? Which I didn't understand why Vinny was getting so much money, you know, but I guess because he was absent for 25 years. And then I saw stuff on the internet, of stuff he did with Gene, and then that yep. turned into be crap after that. And I guess they went to war again after that, you know? And, and he looked like a woman to me. I said, oh, I mean, and we used to kid around because when we, we do gigs, you know, I put a little eye makeup on, yeah. Yeah. Vinny would take forever putting the eye makeup on. <laughs> I said, come on, Vinny girl. <laughs> you know, oh, 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 you know I mean, you know, New York, he's from Connecticut. He, he yeah. You know, and Zero was from Connecticut. You know, it was East Coast guys, East Coast kidding around. Yep. But when I saw that, he's wearing high heels, like women high heels. I'm going, whoa, what happened to him? You know, but then he was talking, you know, I don't know. He seemed okay, but he just looked freaking weird. You know, but then when the thing got blown out, he never gave the money back to Derek. I offered to give our money back to Derek and Derek said, no, no, Derek's a stand up guy. He said, no, keep it. You put the time aside. You worked with Vinny. You tried to get things going. Just keep it. You know, and that ends up he, he books uh, speaking gigs, which yep. I'm, I do. I do rock history speaking. I do speaking about life lessons and you know, stuff I've learned to keep myself going and inspiration and, you know, so, so Derek's a good friend, you know, and uh, now Derek just sent me a thing, a long thing uh, that Vinny did a uh, press release of how he's coming out with this music and you know, he overcharges everybody for everything. Oh yeah. And the other guy that did the, uh, um, the kiss cruise party before. Yeah. Cruise oh, fest. fest, cruise fest. He, he yep. told me, he told me nightmares about that gig. I was just with that guy at the at the podcast convention. Oh yeah, yes, Rock and uh, Pod. Yep. You were yeah, Joe D'Angelo. Joe D'Angelo, yeah. Joe yep. D'Angelo was telling me nightmare stories about it, you know. And I said, I said, I don't get it. I don't understand why and Bruce Kulick doesn't get this kind of uh, attention, you know. Right. Bruce, we were kids for ten years, and he was with him for a minute. Yeah. I don't understand why Vinnie Vincent's getting all this. 
because he went out and did Vinnie Vincent Invasion, which I thought was awful. <laughs> God, I mean, listen to that album. You can't hear anything but the car, the freaking guitar. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, uh, he's, I know uh, I'm going to see things. I'm going to start seeing things on like uh, Brave New World and dot com. The comment <laughs> says Vinnie Vincent album's awful. Oh well, no 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 no! We would never we would never spread no, that no, kind of stuff. They, it gets those old guys there. listen to your they listen to your podcast. yeah they yeah do it himself. But if so he I'm, is I'm awful, awful. To, but I don't really give a shit about me. <laughs> Good, you shouldn't. You know, I don't. You know, I mean, my, you know, my career has been set. You know, for fifty five years already. You yeah, know? absolutely. You, you, I don't yeah. think uh, your reputation in your career is anything to be concerned about because of Vinnie yeah, I mean, We have a BBA live record coming out from nineteen seventy four. Wow. And with seven new songs. And we also got a, uh, the Beck Bogan to Peace Live in Japan album. I writes back to that. So, you know, Jeff's manager has been working on that. And I had Tim sign the deal before he passed away to make sure his yeah. life is yeah. taken care of. That was know? this year, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was January. It was That's terrible. too bad. But we have a new record coming out, a new single. Nice. Stop in the Name of Love by the Supremes. Wow. Familiar. Very similar to hanging on, and Tim's on it. So, can I ask you a question then? So, about now, you have you you keep me hanging. (laughs) So, you have you keep me hanging on on Vanilla Fudge. Obviously, that's legendary. But you also have it on this. How did that come about? And that's the Rod Stewart album because people can't see. Very very simply, uh, that was easy, really. Rod can, you know, me and Rod were good friends. We know, I know Rod since 1968. And he said, you know, I always loved the way guys did keep me hanging on. I wish I would have done it. I said, guess what? I'm in the band. Let's do it. You know, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, rearrange it a little bit. But you singing it would be amazing. It he is. Said, okay. So we did. And the whole middle section with the orchestra, wow. And then they get dual guitar thing at the end. We used to play that live. I mean, people used to go bananas. Oh, yeah. They should be going bananas. It's and now, awesome. you know, with that, our version of the song was in the Quentin Tarantino's movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It was the last six minutes of the song. And it quadrupled our royalties for the last year. I can imagine. Which, which gave us a new audience, I think. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because now we're getting more tour dates. And easier to get to a date than we we've been doing, you know. Well, it's so. honestly one of my favorite albums. I listen oh, to. I it. love that album. Uh, and that's uh, Footloose and Fancy Free. Yeah. I listen to this constantly. It's and one of my favorite things. You're insane. Oh, the, oh it, I love like, that track. You know what it is, uh, and I'm not a drummer. I'm not a musician, but you're drumming on this, yeah, and the great. guitars. And yeah, just, great. you know, I, I look at it as I mean, like. I had to calm down my drumming a little bit to fit, like hot legs. Oh, oh that, yeah. That yeah. is so, awesome. I Amazing. About this. I just talked about this at the uh, convention. Yeah. You know, somebody said, do you ever have to calm down or change your style to play with everyone? I said, really? Not much. I mean, they said, which one did you have to change the most? I said, probably with Rod. Yeah. I had to tone down the stuff, but. But take a look at Hot Legs. I mean, I'm playing simple, but when the fills come, come I'm doing my fills, yep. my signature fills. And, and they're I played fucking it that awesome. Night. Thank you. I played Friday night we, at the convention that everybody went to this club and that you know, Sandy Gennaro's band played. I played, my brother Vinny played. I played Hot Legs and Stay With Me. 
Right? Oh, like, two of my like, favorites, Rod. I did my oh. I did my stuff, and the audience was going bananas. Rick, uh, Vinny played Rick Derringer, uh, uh, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, you know. And we were going to stay, and I was going to play Blue Murder and play Do You Think I'm Sexy. But it was like two hours later. I said, no, nah, I'm not going to stay here another <laughs> two hours. You know, everybody, you know, and this backstage was so crowded. You know, I had my mask on the time. You know, it's just, you know, not the time to be hanging out backstage with a, with a crowded backstage when, you know, with this COVID crap going on. Yeah, you're also in two yeah. of my favorite, and I don't know, fun. I would call them funny now because they're kind of dated, but the Hot Legs video is fucking hilarious. No oh, yes. hilarious. You guys, I, I love the reading the comments on YouTube because they're always like, this is what happens. You have $300,000 budget and it's all wasted on cocaine. So you're like, fuck it. Let's just yeah, take a video right. on a, on a fucking at a gas station. Yeah, but that, you know, that was one of the first videos I've ever done. Yeah, I can yep. imagine. You know, and it was great shooting through the chick's legs. Yeah, oh, God, it was know, awesome. Riding, riding on, we were riding on that stupid uh, pickup truck. Yeah, and you're you all know. screaming, "Hot legs!" Hot pickup. legs, and you know, her hair blazing in the <laughs> air. Billy <laughs> Pete taking the solo on the tracks. Yeah, he's doing a little Angus was, Young thing yeah, there. Yeah, but that was, but, well, but that was a uh, actually not Angus Young. Chuck Chuck Berry, I know what Chuck you're saying. Chuck Berry, that was. Before yeah, I, know, I, was I know, I know. Yeah, those guys didn't come out till eighty, eighty, eighty-one. Yeah, and then the I other, and, and, I saw and then that, at the whiskey, and I said, no, "All right, these guys are okay." You know, but <laughs> who knew they were going to get so big? You know. And then that Come other, on, and then the other video opened up for Vanilla Fudge. Who knew they were going to be? So that's big? right. That's right. And yeah. then, of course, the other video, the Bark at the Moon video from oh. Ozzy. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> and we just came in from. Uh, I, I was with Ozzy in New York City. I was associate producer for the first five hundred thousand records. Until she fired me, uh, I was taking care of Ozzy. I took him to the studio every day, and they hired me because they didn't like the way Tommy Aldridge played, and they thought I could help fix the drum sound and stuff. And I worked with Ozzy on getting the last few vocals, which were, you know, his vocals were done like two or three words at a time, you know. <laughs> and that's a, this is Bark at the Moon. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. walked from the hotel to the to the uh, uh, recording studio. Ozzy would have a diamond ring on. You know, in New York in, in the eighties, man, eighty three. I said, dude, take that ring off. You want to get mugged? You know? And and Sharon left me, left Ozzy in charge of me, you know? And we flew to SST to go to London to do that video. Right? And usually you could see the outline of the world, but it was it was uh cloudy that day and we didn't, but we got to New York to London in three hours. You know, oh, wow. it was amazing. I, I expected it to be a bigger plane. It was only two rows of seats, you know, <laughs> but it was amazing going so fast, you know. That's and awesome. We got off the plane and, you know, we had a day off and then we went to this old insane asylum. Insane, wow. Insane asylum. And we walked around, me and Bob and Jake, while they were filming Ozzy. Yeah. The three of us with Don Airy, we walk around the insane asylum. We found an embryo in a bottle. Oh, shit. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm going, wow. And another thing on the wall had spray painted, help me. You know, like, wow, we said, wow, this this place, you know. Wow. And then, you know, and I'm playing the drums to Tommy's drumming. That's right. That's right. Right. So I'm in that video, you know, and and I had a deal worked out, I had a sweet deal with him every time. 
it went gold, I would get a bonus for being on the production team. Yep. And then when she fired me, I all went down the tubes. I was really mad. Oh. Yeah, we. I, I, I do. don't like. I don't like quitting things. I was never fired. I mean, the raw things. I was fired, but even even in my book, he wrote the intro to my Stick It book. Yeah, yeah. If anyone wants to get the book, all these stories are in it. It's like Stick It, My Life is Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll. Excellent. You can get it at dot com. And Rod wrote the intro. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he said, "I fired Carmine. Fuck knows why." Wow. <laughs> I know why. They were doing so much cocaine, yeah. you know, that they didn't know what they were doing. And the other guy, Jim Cregan, who I forgave now, was in Rod's ear to, to get rid of me because. The guitarist. He, yeah, because yep, Rod yep. was the big name. Yeah. And then it was me next. I did all the press all around the country, all the local press. Rod did the national press. And then he I. didn't like it. I, I also, yeah, so Jim didn't like it. <clears throat> First, they blew out my cre- my production credit. And then, and then I got blown off the tour. But then, you know, at the time, the people were going to, uh, they were selling stories to the English press for like a hundred grand. Wow! So Alan Miller told, you know, Rod's manager, "Look, we're not trying to rip anybody off, but you know, you fired Carmine just before the tour. He was depending on the tour, you know. And you know, if you don't do some sort of settlement, we're going to sell a story to." the papers so Billy Gaff said okay we'll give you some money so they they gave me some money it wasn't the amount I'd get on the tour but it was yeah. some money and I didn't want Rod as an enemy yeah but then yeah then my album came out on Rod's label <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> right so he's on the tour yeah talking about how can you trust how can you trust a drummer that has his name on the drum I said what the <laughs> fuck does that mean you know I was going to ask you about that. I I don't even know what that means. I said, (laughs) you know, I still like Rod. You know, we had some disagreements and we're okay now. But if he's still badmouth me, okay. And then a couple of years later, I don't even remember how we got back together. I went to his wedding. I hooked Jeff Beck and Rod back up together. Wow. They were enemies. Then then Jeff was staying with me. We went to, we went to Jeff's, uh, my friend Dwayne's house and we put down people get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ready. I'm on that. My voice is on that. I was produ- producing it. I, it's it's just those kind of things, you know. But you know, but I love Rod and I love Jeff, you know. I got them together, and and uh, they came out with a thing. I'm sorry they didn't ask us to do the video with them, you know. But yeah, uh, you know, that's history. There's so many, so many stories. You know. Oh well, like, yeah. Stories and, that's the thing, Zeus. I know you wanted to talk yeah. about is the the you know the whole the John Sykes angle there with 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 that. So. Yeah, no, that's the other thing. So um, how did, how did, you know, Blue Murder started off, I think it's also the timing. And, yeah. uh, you know, those of us that like the music, Look, we knew John Sykes like was King, white. Just, just like King Cobra. Yeah. Okay. King Cobra had this guy, Ray Tuscan, who was the A&R guy. He signed us. But his forte was the PR, getting the radio airplay. But they moved him up to A&R. We went to A&R because he signed us. And they had somebody that didn't do his job mm-hmm. in radio. That's yeah. why we didn't make it. Yeah. As soon as he went back to A&R, our albums were over. They signed Poison. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Say, say no more. <laughs> okay? So then that's that. John Sykes, when, I, when we did the second King Cobra record, I was asked to do that big Whitesnake record, join Whitesnake. Oh, really? Wow. Ron and David asked me to do that record. 
Wow. Said, I'm sorry. He said, in those days, when you're signed to a major label, your own deal, and I'm the signature on the deal, I said, I have my own snake to deal with. I can't do it. I'm yeah. signed to Capitol. Yeah. And then it, I, I recommended, I said, why don't you get like Ainsley or somebody? You know, Cozy had just left. Yep. Right? And it's a, there's a whole clique of, you know, Cozy, Bonham, Cozy, me. Aldridge. You know, Ainsley, you know, there's <laughs> Ainsley like a clique, yeah. yep. you know. So they got Ainsley and sold 27 million records. I could have shot myself. <laughs> <laughs> so then I heard that Tony Franklin and John Sykes were starting a band, Blue Murder, and Cozy's the drummer, and Ray Gillen was a singer. I said, wow, oh, man, wow. I would love to play with those guys. I love Sykes' playing. I yeah. love Tony's playing. You know, and then I heard Cozy and Ray are out. I said, wow, how am I going to? get a hold of these guys. I don't know how to get a hold of them. I mean, I specifically went out of my way to find John and Tony. Really? Yeah. So I said, well, let me see what I can do here. They're in England. My brother Vinny's going to England with Dio. He's going to be playing three nights or four nights at the Hammersmith Odium. I'm going to go there when Vinny's there and Dio, because, you know, Dio is a good friend of all those guys. I know everybody there. And I'm going to find out, but if anybody that knows how to get a hold of John Sykes, they'll be there at those shows because that's the yeah. place to be. And sure enough, I found Chris Welch. You know who Chris Welch is? Why he do I know? Yeah. The Melody Maker magazine. He was the big guy at Melody yeah. Maker magazine. Okay. He gave me John Sykes' stepdad's phone number. Wow. <laughs> I called him. I said, look, I'm in England. I know you guys are looking for a drummer. I'd like to come down. Yeah. And they said, great, come on down. So I went down. I drove there. I had a car. I only had one. It's funny. I had one cassette to listen to. It was a Permanent Vacation by Aerosmith. Oh, okay. It was a three-hour drive and three-hour drive back to London. I knew every note on that record by the time I got there and came back. <clears throat> but when I got there at 2 in the morning, Tony met me at a hotel because he was staying at the hotel. And he busted the bar open, and we had a drink. I'm not a drinker, but Tony was a, a drinker, an alky, a, a druggie. He was everything, you know. And then the next day, we went into John Sykes' dad, stepdad had a studio in the house that John grew up in, a proper recording studio. So I mm-hmm. went in, they had Cozy Pal's drums in there. Wow. And, and then we just played, you know. Wow. They played some of their songs I played. And John came up, they came up to me and said, first we smoked a bowl of hash. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. And then they came up to me and said, oh, my God, John said, we play with Ainsley. We play with Tommy Aldridge. We play with everybody. You got so many drum fills like nobody else. I said, well, you know, I don't have like three or four. I just play whatever the hell comes out. You know, he says, well, you're in if you want it. I said, Wow. Fucking great. I'm in. And then it turned out to be such a hassle. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, because uh, at the time, then Tony Martin was supposed to sing with us. Mm-hmm. And then we got we got Bob Rock was going to produce us. So wow. Tony lived in uh, – Tony and John – no. Now, me and John lived in L.A. John was with – we ended up marrying this woman, lived with her in her house. And then we, when we got the deal and we started recording and everything, we're ready to go. Tony Martin says, I'm not going. Oh, geez. So we went, talked to Bob Rock. He said, well, look, just come. 
we'll do the tracks and we'll figure out the vocals. And meanwhile, John had done all the demos that got the record deal. All right. So after we did that, we came home and Bob Rock started producing the cult, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, and you know, we got an unbelievable drum sound up there, little mountain. And yeah, I, I remember the, the one, one crazy story that I've been telling lately was uh, when we recorded uh, jelly roll, which ended up being the single yep. oh, yeah, in the video. And, yeah. Yep. So we did everything to a click. So I was able to record the drums and if I, if I didn't like some, I'd go in and I'd cut, punch in, just like anybody else. Yeah. I mean, I did all the drums once, and then we got a better drum sound. And Bob Rock said, you want to redo all the drums? I go, sure. We redid all the drums to the tracks wow. that John and Tony put down. Wow. And so this one night, we went in to come back from all the strip bars with all the strippers and everything. And, and you know, drunk and stoned. And John said, hey, Carl, why don't you go in and play on Jelly Roll? And let everybody watch. I go, oh, come on, man. I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. play stone, you know? Come on, Con, you know? Yeah, everybody, come on. So I went in and played. So I don't know what I was doing. I just played it. The next day we come in, I listen to it. I said, holy shit, that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> so, we, so we kept it. Nice. Really? Yeah. We so that's it. the version. Yeah. So, you know, so the same thing kind of happened with, that happened with King Cobra, happened with John. You know, in those days, you had to have the management, you had to have the record company, publicity company, a great video, yeah, and a great A and R guy. Yeah, we had everything but the management. The management was a lawyer, some radio promotion guy, and John's stepdad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so after first came out, the record company had a plan to release Valley of the Kings to get it going and then release Jelly Roll. Yep. You know, but we insisted because at the time, John was unhappy with the management company, including his stepdad and fired everybody. And he, he was the shareholder of the band. Yeah. It was his record deal, you know, but at the time before the record came out, when we couldn't find a singer, we went to Derek St. Holmes and David Glenn Isley and this one and that one. And me and Tony just said, hey, John, why don't you sing? You yeah. got the record deal. You sing. We'll do the background. It'll be like the cream, the trio. Yeah. yeah. You know? And we, you know, improvising. And we said, great. So that's what we did. So then when it came out, it was a kind of a mess. We had no manager. So my manager, Alan Miller, was like helping. Yeah. You know, but, but nobody gave him the, you know, the credentials to really go do everything. So, you know, like Alan would tell me what we need to, I would tell John, we need to hire this guy to do, uh, you know, promotion and tell Geffen and tell Geffen we want this in heavy rotation, you know, and they did that. So they bought, they blew their water on Valley of the Kings, which was the wrong song. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when they, I remember exactly where I was and like when both, when both the singles came out on this album and I, I I mean, I knew, Oh, and I knew who you were. Uh, Tony Franklin from the firm. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, this is the guy that actually played on the two big white snake albums. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, that's and, how I thought know, of it. So, so then we went on tour. We did some, some Bon Jovi dates, which was amazing because yeah. we had five roadies, two buses, you know, because we had tour support from, from Geffen. And, you know, and it was great because we're playing in front of Bon Jovi when they were really hot. Oh. 
you yeah. know, and all these women in the I can imagine. And we were, oh. and we were jamming. Yeah. And, they were, and people were loving it, you know. But then when Valley of the Kings didn't do the numbers they're supposed to do, we did eight shows with them. And then we couldn't get another tour, you know. Wow. So we went to Japan and we killed it in Japan. And in Japan, it was great music life. It was like a trio of the past, the Queen, Jimi Hendrix, BBA. Yeah. Yep. Trio of the future, Blue Murder. Right. So I was in the past and the future. <laughs> That's right. And we played for 12,000 people wow. in, in Tokyo and, and 5,000, 6,000 people in Osaka, you know? And it was great. And we used to do Hot Legs. We did Still, Still of the Night and we did uh, a Firm Song. Wow. wow. Those were That's the only awesome. things we did. Yeah. And they loved us in Japan, you know? And then when we came back, we, we toured with uh, Billy Squire. Oh, awesome. Right? Yep. And that's when Billy did that thing. <laughs> everyone turned off to him. Yeah, the pink right? shirt video. Rock, uh, the Rock yeah, Me Tonight, the turned, Rock Me Tonight video. Yeah, everyone was turned off to him. We had King's X and Blue, Blue Murder. So it was, it was King's X open, Blue Murder. We were in the middle and, and Billy on top. And, you know, we were killing it. And it's funny, King's X, I loved King's X. I went on their bus. Yep. And what do you think they're playing? Playing fucking cactus. Oh wow! Yeah, big cactus fans. Yep. Huge. Yep. You know, so this is all hit me like, wow, this is great. You know. Yeah. I'm in Japan, I'm in the old. I'm in the new. These guys are in cactus. You know? Right. And we became really good friends on that tour. You know, and then the tour started falling apart because Billy w- wasn't happening. Yeah. You know? you. Well, I remember the last one of the last gigs, Studio Fifty Four, in in um, New York. You know, we killed it there. We killed it. And then and then we got off that tour and then nothing happened. And then some stuff started happening with Vanilla Fudge. to do a Vanilla Fudge live record and maybe some shows. And John didn't like that. So we disagreed, you know, just kind of parted ways. But then they brought somebody else in to do the second album and it wasn't happening. So then they hired me as a studio musician to do the second album. You know, and I did the second album and the magic came back because when the first day I played with him, it was like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Together like a glove. And yep. then anybody else that filled in there didn't work right. It didn't sound right. You know, and then it fell apart because John got really depressed after the first album didn't make. And me too. I would I would have bet you my house that that record was going to go all the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because yep. it was such a great record. I mean, oh, I agree. It is everything. A great Bob Rock, Mike Frazier, an amazing engineer, you know, production team. I remember me and John went to, they mixed it in LA. And me and John went to the mixers and they bounced everything to digital. And we said, look, we think you should mix it on, on, on analog. Don't do digital. Digital sucks. And John and Bob Rock turned to us and said, look, either get the fuck out of here. I'm going to stop mixing right now. <laughs> wow. So me and John looked at each other and said, okay, we're going. (laughs) Wow. Well, that was like 89, right? I think. So that's when like Poison and all the other things had taken off. Yeah, but by the time end of 89 came and 90 started coming in, it was grunge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were dinosaurs. Yeah. We couldn't work for shit. We had that band Mother's Army. We couldn't get signed over here for nothing. We went around and toured, but it drew nobody. Yeah, you know, and everybody was saying, you know, in in reviews, stuff they were like dinosaurs. So we just held back. I spent the whole '90s in Japan. 
you know, with Tony. Yeah, first yeah. I went there with Jeff Watson. I went there with my own tour, Super Session Volume Two. Is right after Rod. I went there with the Volume One. I had Eric Carmen, Tom Peterson, Rick Derringer. We sold, you know, we played the Budokan, sold out, did all these big gigs. So I went there with Volume Two, and uh, that was Kelly Keeling, Tony Franklin, and Mitch Perry. You yep. know, and we 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 did great. You know, and then we, and that was when the second B, B, uh, second Blue Murder album was out. So yeah. we were doing songs from there that Kelly sang on and that me and Tony played on, you know, so we did really well. So after that, me and Tony joined this group called Pearl, who was mm-hmm. a Japanese band. Uh, and we were, you know, the, the English speaking ones and the guitarist was Japanese and the singer was Japanese and she was, had a big following. So wow. we were playing to five, 6,000 people in Tokyo. When the album came out and hit the chart, Japanese chart at seven, Number seven, we got a Japanese gold record, not an American wow. record, which you have to sell more. Yeah. You know, and we, we, the whole 90s we spent there. We did two or three records. We did live records. And then I did a, a, a Char Boga to Peace tour, which was, Char was the Japanese Jeff Beck. Oh, really? Okay. okay. He, he would sell out 2,500 people. We did the Budokan mm-hmm. and four other gigs. We did 12,000 people with me and Tim. You know, wow. and that was 1999. Then I went there in 2001. You know, but then things started opening up here in 2001 with Vanilla Fudge and Cactus and, and all the other things. And then it started releasing Guitar Zeus. I think Guitar Zeus over there was, it went top, top 10. In yeah, that's awesome. Then I did top, I did Guitar Zeus Japan, which is Japanese artists. I did Guitar Zeus Korea. Wow. In Europe, I did 200,000 records around the world. Right. Causes everywhere but America. And by the time I started doing deals over here in 2005, 2006, I did a deal and then the label went out of business. Then I did another deal and that sort of did nothing. And then finally, I released it on my own label a couple of years ago. And now I'm doing the box set on Deco, Deco Entertainment. Nice. Now you're nice. now is, now you're doing with all those with all those unbelievable projects that you're doing. Are you you're doing something? Correct me if I'm wrong. You you're doing something with Tommy Thayer from Kiss, correct? Yeah, Guitars. Yeah. Okay. Is that something that like what what? How did you get okay. hooked up? How did you get hooked okay. up with Tommy? Uh, we called him. Okay, that's that simple. Okay. Yeah. When my my book called uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, I know how we got hooked up. The, the, my mixer. Pat Regan, who mixed my original guitars, I've got three tracks. One Derek Sherinian's playing on. Oh, yeah. Guitar. I yep. got my guitar player guy from Kodiak, the group I'm managing, to play on another track. And then Pat Regan was working with Tommy on something. Okay. I said, man, he said, we should get Tommy on something. So Pat hooked up me with Tommy, and I asked him if he'd play on it. So I had him play on the same track that Derek played on, Except we didn't play, have Derek play the leads. We had Tommy do all the leads. And then Derek wouldn't do a video, so we did the video with Tommy. Okay. So we did me, Tony Franklin, Tommy, and uh, this guy Charlie that plays with uh, uh, Angel and things like that. Mm-hmm. He's also with Deco Records. Yeah. So we nice. got that coming out. That video is going to come out in October. Okay. Wow. You know, and we had, then we had Tommy on uh, Hanging and Banging. Yep. You know? And, yep. Uh, we have Bruce on Hanging and Banging. We have Eric Singer on Hanging and Banging. Yep, heard all those great episodes. Yeah, yep. we've had we, we we were we were lucky enough to have Bruce on our 100th episode last December. Bruce came on our show here. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, to, but Tommy, th- yeah, having hooking up with Tommy, where and I, and I knew Tommy with black and blue, with black and blue. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. He's great. He yep, gets a he lot is. of shit from the Kiss fans, though. Him and yeah, Eric, I mean, which is nonsense. The Kiss fans are ridiculous. Yeah, they I mean, are. I mean, <laughs> you know, what can I say? I love Paul and Gene, and I love the fact that they they brought you know the the makeup and the and the show and everything. Yeah, but come on. Alice Cooper did that first, and they're not even in the fucking Rock and Hall of Fame, you know? Right. Yeah, I know. You know, I know Kiss worked to get there, and I'm glad. They're hard workers. They are. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, come on. Alice Cooper, Vanilla Fudge ain't in there. Yeah. Alice Cooper's not in there. And even one step back, I just did a recording with Arthur Brown. Oh, wow. We we did Fire. Me and Brian May. Uh, Me and Brian, Brian, uh, Brian Auger, the keyboard. Yeah. And he was the guy that Alice looked up to. That's right. And he's not in either. Yep. You know, They're too so busy. Kiss lucky. Yeah. It's so lucky they got in. I mean, they did a lot of stuff. I mean, they got unbelievable fans. They made an mm-hmm. unbelievable money. Kiss uh, Bill Coin, unbelievable manager, really helped build that whole thing. I mean, I know that. Yeah. So, did you uh, ever meet his uh, partner, Sean Delaney? Yes, I just saw Sean at the Rockin' Pod. Oh, no, no. Sean has since passed. This is Bill O'Coin's old partner, Sean Delaney. He was in the early days of Kiss. Oh, yeah. I, I knew Sean Delaney. Yeah. Who the hell was it that came up to me then? Because <laughs> he was Sean. Or maybe he was an impersonator. Maybe. <laughs> well, I don't think it was Sean Delaney back then. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about it, but you're right. Sean Delaney did pass, but I did know Sean Delaney. Yeah. yeah he yeah. had a big yeah, because Bill O'Coin, Billy Gaff, Rod's manager, Sean Delaney. Tony Toon, our publicist for Rod, they were all gay. All friends. All hung out, and they were all friends, you know. And, uh, you know, when I brought Paul to Rod parties, everyone was flabbergasted because, you know, Kiss was not really respected back in those days. No. You know? Yep. I mean, they, they got more respect now for longevity, you know. You're right. Yeah, you know? you're right. Because in the t- 1977, 78, you know, they were just getting big, and everybody was saying, you know, it's all about the makeup. They can't play. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. You know. No, that's yeah. poison. That is poison. <laughs> that is yeah. also. Yeah, that's the makeup, and they can't play. Yeah, that's yeah, poison. Yeah. And, well, uh, I mean, you know, Kiss played better than Poison. I can honestly say. And oh, their yeah. song, and their songs yeah. are better. And, and I almost did this thing with CC Deville. Believe it or not. So. Oh God. <laughs> That's a, wow, that's another thing. Yeah, we CC yeah. Deville is like the he's like the whipping boy for uh, shout it out loudcast. Whenever we compare people that just uh, yeah, uh, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But we're not big fans of CC Deville. At least yeah. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's fine. You you know, certain people have music that's for fun. Certain people have. If people are enjoying it, I don't give a shit what it is. If yeah, they I have know. their fan base, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, you know. like I was fab- flabbergasted when I saw Kiss. When I was with Rod, uh, Leslie, I said, yeah. oh, my God, look at the state show. How yeah. these guys developed that? One other thing I wanted to ask you is Led Zeppelin is one of my favorite all-time bands. Me too. And Tom. But you are part of the legendary story about uh, some, let's say, sharks or something in some females. Can you help? Like fill in the well, story a little. Well, I started off by saying the female was my find. <laughs> you she found groupie, her. Okay. She was a groupie that you know liked to do favors on the way to the festival and on the way back. Yeah. 
And then, you know, at that point, then you say, okay, see you later. <clears throat> I heard she was with the road crew that night. And then the next day we were all in a room, Robert Plant, me, John Paul Jones, Tim Bogart. Next door was John Bonham and our tour manager, Bruce Wayne, Batman, <clears throat> and uh, Richard Cole. And, they, and we were in Seattle fishing out the window. And, and my, my tour manager said, hey, come and check this out. We walked in and in the bathtub were all these fish they caught. One of them was a mud shark they caught. It was a shark about that big. Yeah. I said, oh, cool. So then we're listening to Delaney and Bonnie smoking pot in, in John Paul Jones' room. And uh, there's a knock on the door. And there's this chick. I don't even know her name. She comes in and she's smoking with us. And then uh, somebody comes in and sees her and saying, knew who she was because they, she was with the road crew. And the road crew mm-hmm. was fishing next door. So they came in and, and, and they just abused her totally. Oh. And Mark Stein, our keyboard player, had an eight millimeter camera going, oh. you know, and, oh, and they totally abused her. I mean, it was ridiculous to the point of we had to leave the room and all the commotion. The desk, front desk guy, guy came down, saw what was going on, said, "Get you guys got to break this up." We broke <laughs> it up. So me and Tim and uh, and uh, me and Tim and John Paul Jones came down to my room, right. So we're sitting in my room and then knock at the door and, it, and this chick again comes down to my room. Now she's wearing John Paul Jones' bathrobe. <laughs> and she says, oh, awful, oh, horrible, get that off. So she takes it off. So she's sitting on my bed, nothing on. <laughs> and then another knock at the door is all the road crew guys again. <laughs> and then they start abusing her again and doing oh. stuff I can't even talk about. It was, it's, it's in my book a little better. Yeah, get the book, guys. <laughs> but it got to the point where all this stuff they're doing to was all over my bed. Oh. And I said, oh, my God, it's my bed. <laughs> I said, I got to get out of here. I said, Tim, I'm going to come move in with you. So oh. we, luckily, Tim had two beds, so I moved in with Tim, and I left there. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <clears throat> That's basically the story. And then the next day we leave and we're in, uh, getting a connection in, in Chicago and we run into Frank Zappa and the Mother's Invention. Oh, boy. So those guys, they were friends of ours. Yeah. So I was telling Frank the story. He's like blown away. Next thing I know, a Mother's Invention live at the Film Maurice is a story called, <clears throat> a song called Mud Shock. <laughs> <That's right. clears throat> Look that up. Oh, oh shit. Wow. So it really became legendary. It oh, certainly yeah. did. Yeah. You know? That story then, is that story is infamous then, for then sure. It went to the you know on MTV and the shocking moments. Yeah, oh yeah. The role was always like in the top two. You know, yep. then I remember the, from uh, the shocking moments of, of rock and roll was always in the top three or five, you know. It was in uh Hammer of the Gods. I remember reading yes. that when I was like yep. in junior yep. high school and going. Yeah, but you didn't tell the story correctly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff. When you read it, you don't know the backstory. And then yeah, after you you go, I, oh, I read, wait a minute. I read that book. A lot of stuff in there wasn't right. Wasn't yeah, that's what you hear now. Right. Yeah. yeah. But as a kid in junior high, you're like, oh, my goodness. You think yeah, these are all real stories. Yeah. But that's a great story. And I had to get, I had to ask you on, uh, yeah. you know, for the show. So thank you for that. Crazy story. That's why it's called Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll. Stick it. As a matter of fact, when I wrote the book with uh, Ian Giddens, he wrote the uh, 
He yep. wrote the new Judas Priest uh, story, which um, that book he wrote. Brian Ferry's book he wrote. The, he wrote my book and he wrote uh, Heroin Diaries. And I said to him, dude, you know, don't you think this, maybe we should calm down on the sex stories? He said, let me tell you something. When you sell these books, the, the middle-aged women are going to love it. And he's really right because no matter where, even at that pod, rock and podcast thing. Yeah. I was selling the book and a woman buys, listen, this is triple X. It's really X-rated sex. She goes, great. <laughs> every, every woman that's bought the book that I've sold it all said the same thing. Awesome. Great. Wow. Can't wait to re- read it. So he was right on that level. There you go. And, and I, the only other thing I was going to say is, and then I'm surprised there are no like tag teams with you and Gene Simmons competing with groupies during that, in that time in well, the seventies. I mean, we were indirectly because my girlfriend radio chick figured out just, just on a spreadsheet averaging how many times you play a week. Yeah. I was at 4,600. Jesus Christ. I don't know how many genes that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Wow. I, I would think there's some cross contamination in between there somewhere. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. on. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Thanks for sharing this part, Carmine. So before before we wrap it up, because we appreciate yeah, well, every minute that you've given us here, what what are you what what's your plans for right now moving forward? Hopefully, you know I, we understand that COVID, especially in Florida, is kind of running rampant. Tell us what your plans are, like moving ahead in terms of creativity, music, maybe well, getting out there and performing. You know, we're getting gigs lined up. Uh, okay, September we we got a, a four four day run in, in a week with me and my brother. Awesome. And right after that, we got uh, four or five days with the fudge. Then I'm going to go to Vegas to see uh, Rod Stewart, and I might play uh, Sexy and Hot Legs with him. Excellent. Nice. You know? Awesome. And then, and then I go continue to L.A. My daughter's getting married. After she gets married, we start up again with Vanilla Fudge and Robbie Krieger. And, oh, uh, wow. And then in November, oh, we'll play some shows with Cactus in, uh, in the Midwest in New York. And and then uh, I got my instrumental album coming out on Cleopatra with a guy named Fernando Perdomo. Mm-hmm. We did a jazz rock reggae version of Even I'm Sexy instrumentally. Wow. And we did nice. a, a version of uh, Maybe I'm Amazed with uh, wow. a, a drums and guitar version with big background gospel vocals. Wow. You know? And then we got another eight or ten songs instrumental uh, of those. We got the song coming out with Tim. We'll be doing. Uh, we got a video coming out. It's a tribute to Tim with that song. Yep. Uh, and in October, we also got the Guitarzus coming out. Yep. You know, with the box set and what? Awesome. <laughs> you, Good you for are God. A busy man. Uh, I was just going to say, God. <laughs> and God. trying to do get hanging and banging and going. I might start a new podcast called Rock Rockin' uh, Rockin' Real Estate because I do okay. real estate on the side. Do you? And I, I did an interview with a guy that does real estate, and he said this would be a great concept for for podcasts. And then talk to other friends of mine that I know, rockers that do real estate on the side. Wow, and I'm a real estate good. attorney. I don't know if you know that, but that's oh, okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> that's what at, I do for a living. Look at Vanilla Ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Is that what he does? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you see that yeah. show on on TV. Yeah, he's doing that now. Millions, yeah, millions yeah. he's making. <clears throat> Wow. I'm not making millions. Uh, I'm making hundreds of thousands. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah tens of thousands. I, I'd like to but, say But the I've same. done enough deals and I know enough about it yeah. to do 13 episodes and then bring other friends of mine in that do it as well. Perfect. You know? 
and, uh, and, and have some fun. So, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy doing these things, you know, that, that you don't have That's to go awesome. out on the road you, and you can make money doing it. So. That's awesome. Know. Well, God, God bless you for everything you're doing. God bless that you're staying healthy. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for joining us and just talking kiss rock music, everything. It's been an honor. You're a legend. You. We appreciate your music and everything you've done. And we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us on shout it out loudcast. Okay. Thank you, man. Good to be here. Carmine, you're the best. So Tom, what'd you think? Just amazing stuff. I mean, just, we could have been talking to him all night. I mean, from his stories about working with Paul to working with King Cobra and touring with Kiss, his stories with Vinny and his honesty about Vinny, you know, it's just amazing. Then, then getting into all of his non-Kiss stuff, you know, Blue Murder and King Cobra and working with John Sykes and all these other just amazing, his, his stories about Rod Stewart, which I know that you're a huge fan of, just amazing stuff to hear. Yeah, I, I just love the fact that he has no problems or qualms to spit it out there yep no issues yep he's doesn't need anything to like worry about he's successful on his own he doesn't it the guy is a workaholic when he goes through what he's working on currently he's 74 years old and he's busting his ass and he's got all these great things coming down the pipe and so i'm i'm like listening and and picking up on stuff and then in the middle of something he'll go off on a different story and be like Holy shit. Like, but I, I, I also agree getting his book is huge. The stories and the names that he drops are real. There's a guy oh, who's yeah. been around everything. I, I was joking with Tom earlier that I'm like, you could do uh Kevin Bacon, you know, sixties of separation with Carmine at peace and oh, yeah. probably fucking everybody in, in rock music Yep, from his connections to Zeppelin to white snake to fucking hair metal to you name it. You can connect him to anything. So, I mean, he's just a, a legend. We're lucky to have had him and we're lucky to get his comments about, you know, kiss. I, I like the fact that he's kind of friends with them, but you can tell Tom, we try to ask him some Murph questions. He's yeah. More friends with them. It's a business. Yep. He wasn't into their music that much. Yep. And I, I, the other thing, too, I love about the way he tells stories, you know, and, and there was one point he was talking about Vinny and he started to kind of veer off and, and talk about something else. And I kind of, you know, I think I think he may have brought up King Cobra. Yeah. Um, and I started jumping in and saying, you know, what, what are your thoughts about, you know, why you don't think King Cobra became the big band that he is? And he's like, well, you know, he's like, he's like but let, let, let me finish. Let me finish talking about Vinny. Let me, let, me, let me talk about, I'm like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Like, you know, because like he wanted to keep talking about the things that are important to him. And he's got an unbelievable history with Vinny. Not all of it's pleasant, but he, there was no holds barred on him with talking about that and being honest. And, and other things like when I, when I brought up, you know, you know, oh, you're, you're doing a project with Tommy Faye, you know, how, how did you end up working with him? He's like, called him. I'm like, oh, all right, you're, you're, that's right. You're Carolina Peace. All you have to do is call Tommy Thayer. It's just, it's just amazing stuff talking about. He's a legend. He's just a legend. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Vinny part because oh, this is. It sounds like you're talking to a, a construction foreman or something. You're like, hey, where's Smith? How come he's not here today? Oh, he fucking sucks. He's just yep. a terrible. Like, oh, I don't want to fucking deal with him. I don't like. He just threw it out there. He wasn't like. Well, you know, Vinny's got some, let's say, issues. And he was just like, nah, 
He's fucking makes terrible fucking decisions. I don't know what the hell is he thinking. Uh, yeah, he just uh, who can deal with him? He's a basket yeah. case. Yeah, he goes. He goes. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, I don't know what happened. He's uh, he's a fucking asshole. And then and then the story about how Paul and Gene were talking to him about before he brought Vinny in the band, and Carmine's like, "Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it if I was you." Yeah. <laughs> Just, Can just, we get him for forty dollars a week? <laughs> just great stuff, and he is he, like you said, Zeus. He's still busting his ass, doing all kinds of projects and stuff. It's amazing, and Talking he looks great. He, and he looks fucking. He looks great. Yeah, it, it was just oh, it's great. I stuff. didn't get to bring up the fact that I remembered him in those like circus magazines. And yeah. there'd be like the drummer part. And he would have like a tech question about drums. And it was yep. like either in circus or hit parade or something. And yep. it was like, ask Carmine a piece. And, the, you know, when you're younger, you remember the stash. He still has it, too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And then we got to mention two of my all time favorite videos. Oh. And, and he didn't lie or anything I'm like about how fucking coked up they were oh, in the yeah. hot legs video, hot legs video. <laughs> yeah. and even how fucked up that Aussie bark at the moon video was and that whole story about Aussie and Sharon and everything <laughs> just crazy shit I didn't, I didn't crack out my uh, I didn't break out my uh, Sharon that's oh. it come on you the fuck out of here <laughs> I ain't putting up with that shit no more you sign this contract now Probably. I love it. I loved it. Have I love flashbacks. It. Listen to that. Yep. Yep. Oh, and then how can we forget? He does an ace impression. Oh, actually, <laughs> like no one said we do ace impression in our sense of humor or anything like that. He just, he just like, came out. Oh, and did yeah, it. He, like he talked about all these famous artists. He didn't once go into it. Well, let me do an impression of them. When he came to ace, he was laughing laughing to himself. He goes, hey, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you can't not do the ace impression. Hey, it was great. Come on. Ace Frehley here from the bank. Kiss, how are you? What's this King Cobra? I drink King Cobra. They make 40 ounces. Hey, can you give me a lift? I just smashed up my DeLorean. And he's like casually calm. I say, you know, when I was living with fucking Jeff Beck, you know, <laughs> then I moved in with fucking, uh, uh, I don't know. I was like, get in the room with John Paul Jones. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. And then the shock story. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they were lying on my bed. She got on my bed with no clothes on. Oh, he's like, just, oh, they just abused her. Just great stuff, man. And and again, we could have kept going. He just, he, I mean, like I said, with a history like that, who doesn't want to talk about it? Oh, fantastic. Yep. Anyway, Tom. This is what we do next. Hi, this is Ed Spanberg of ClickTeaShop.com. And for all your shouted out loud cast gear and merchandise, please visit ClickTeaShop.com. At ClickTeaShop, you can find lots of Kiss-inspired t-shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now, here's your question of the week. All right, so here comes one from good friend of the show, Gary Cap. This is kind of a funny one. Okay. If either of you were to be replaced on your own show, who would you pick as your replacement? 
So Zeus, if you quit the show, who would you pick to replace you? First, is he asking who would I replace you with or who would replace me with? All right, I'll read it. It says, if either of you were be to replaced on your show, who would you want to pick as a replacement? So if Zeus quit the show, I'm thinking he's, he's saying, who would I want to replace you? Okay, answer it that way. I'll answer it both ways. Okay. I wouldn't do the show. It oh, wouldn't work. Oh, see, see, it wouldn't work. Agree. I can I tell agree. you right now. Can I do a kiss show with Sonny Pooney? Yes, but it's not yeah. showed it out loud, cast. Can I do right. a kiss show with me and Murph? Yeah, I guess. It's not going to be this show. It'll, it can't, it just won't. It won't be as fun. Nobody, okay, there is there is something about, like, friendship and chemistry that you can't, you, you can't just make it up or try to see what happens. The reason why I think this show works, and it doesn't work for everybody. I'm sure there are people that have tried this and be like, I don't get their sense of humor, or they're childish, or, you know, oh, they talk too much with about the fan or feedback, or they do this. Okay, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for a lot of people. And... Mm-hmm. I can't change that or manufacture that. I can't have something where I'm about to say it. And then you fucking jump in right before me and go. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just, you can't put a price tag on it. We're at the same level of kiss fandom. We have the same amount of work ethic that's involved in this. We're not, Hey, what do you want to talk about this week? Well, we're going to go live in 10 minutes. Yeah, is one of us showing up or not? I don't know. <laughs> or we're like not gonna kiss. do. Yeah, and we're not gonna do. Hey, is your mic working? What's that eerie sound? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, that's not us. We're both fucking. We have lives. We have our, our own family. We have our own ch- careers, and then we put the necessary time into this. That is not happening with anybody else. Would I ever do a show? If Tom says, I'm not doing podcasts anymore, I'm done. Yeah, I would do a show, but I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't do a kiss show. I'd figure out something else. And I'd probably want like a sunny or something like that. And uh, but it wouldn't be this. I wouldn't continue this without him. It, it just it's stupid. Yep, that's I, 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 I agree. I would do the same thing. It wouldn't be a kiss show. Well, I was waiting for you to go. Yeah, I do it with Murph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because you're right. It, it's look, I look, I love Murph. We've had him on the show a million times. We love Sonny. We've had him on the show a million times. We do album review crew with him. Yeah. Could we like you said, could you do a kiss show? Of course you could. Of course you could. Not this. But but not this, because what we do is more than kiss. It gives us an outlet to do stupid shit while talking mm-hmm. about kiss. I would I love doing podcasts. So if for some reason you you were like, hey, you know what? It's just too much. I don't have the time. I can't handle the whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'd be like, all right. I'd be like, shit. Like, I want to do something. Maybe go to a movie podcast. Maybe I'd start the horror movie show that I've been trying to get with somebody who, who would do that with me. Something. But in terms of shout it out loudcast, if one of us left, it would be dead. Yep. It would yeah. be over. Yeah. So. I can't. I can't imagine it working either. I mean, the only thing I could think of is like if someone if you're like, listen, I've got a three month project. I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, maybe we take a hiatus or maybe you bring Murph in and I'll try to jump in on an episode here and there. Or maybe you like you can't do it alone. You need a second person. But like, oh, yeah, we have built this up into a, a well-oiled machine. We yep. know our outline. We have our sheet. Yep. The yep. noise I'm making and we follow it. 
Here's our intro. Here's our shout out. Here's our kiss news. Here's our last week feedback. Here's our topic. Here's our question of the week. Here's our plugs. Here's our famous last words. That didn't just happen out of nowhere. Right. There's because we're both fucking anal. We've decided on this before we did anything. And the other part to this is we can't wing it with people. I can't do that. No. The I preparation, the prep talk about the preparation for the Carmine thing. Like, like we, 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 we spent a lot. We're like, we're having a legend on here. I mean, we're going to let him run. I didn't ask you to do that. I knew you would come prepared. Right. When you did the intro with him and you're thrown out, he was in this, he did this, he did this. Yep. I didn't ask you. I didn't know what you were. You just said to me, I've got the intro. Like, great. Yep. And then we go through our list and you say, you take those points. I'll take these points yep. and let it flow. We're not going to be. You know, reading uh, this isn't Dan Rather, like with a script to fucking ask you these five questions. Like, this is Ted, <laughs> this is Ted Couple talking to Carmine apiece. Carmine, when you took the mud shark and put it between the groupie's legs, tell us what were you thinking, Ted? We have breaking news. Uh, can you report on there's been a shooting? <laughs> I repeat, buckwheat has been shot. See, that right there is exactly why this show wouldn't work. Because Zeus takes the Ted Koppel thing. I throw the shooting line in I and he takes on there. Yeah, you can't. We've, we've done these jokes and said this shit to each other since we were fucking uh, under 21 years old on a exactly. college fucking couch going. Exactly. Well, yeah, do you remember the fucking Eddie Murphy? Yeah, let's go. Does anybody have that on tape? Yeah, Eddie Murphy's SNL greatest things. Let's put it on. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Dick. <laughs> oh. That's right. Anyway. I'll oh. Anyways. Uh, oh. Good question, Gary. But uh, that led us to go into some uh, self-padding on the back. So well, that's what we do. We do that. But, Gary, thanks, buddy. Thanks for the question. Thanks for being a fan of the show, friend of the show. Uh, you're a good man. And we I, I like checking out the shit that you're always uh, selling on Facebook. Do one of those live auctions. Come on. Give me one Absolutely. of those, buddy. Gary's the best. He is. Yep, he is. All right, Tom, where can people find us? All right. We always give out our email to start with. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. As you can see, we we read every single email. Uh, We may not read every single one on the air, but we come across every email and we read them. Believe me, we love them. Same goes with the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Check us out on there. Jump in. Tag us in comments, you know, feedback, whatever you want. Send us DMs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Great stuff. Uh, Zeus has mentioned it in the past, but just as a reminder, we usually record on Wednesdays. So if you're interested in getting feedback to us on the previous episode, try to get it to us by Wednesday. Obviously, if you can't, you know, we're still going to read it. It might just not make the the fall week's episode. But that being said, uh, and as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, our Patreon family, we love you guys. Uh, you guys are great. So Patreon family, check us out over there on the website or on the app. And uh, of course, we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network, as is uh, Carmine and his brother Vinny. They're also on Pantheon. And uh, we're proud to share that stage with them. And uh, of course, our question of the week sponsored by our good friend Ed from Click T Shop. Click with a K. Check him out. Click Great stuff from Ed. He's been a friend of the show pretty much since day one. So check him out. Great stuff as always. 
Yeah, Dom, uh, we always like those DMs. It also helps us a lot. Uh, and if sometimes people don't want to share things publicly, they can share it to us, DM through Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. And if anybody remember, is going to the concert on Wednesday in, in Mansfield, let us know. You can DM us. You don't have to go on publicly. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube. channel. That's been uh, growing tremendously and we appreciate the support there we also love when you guys give us one of those five star Star. child reviews those five star reviews are huge for us on itunes please if you get a chance to go there uh go on itunes give us those five stars and tell us why you like it hopefully you like it right um and then uh also please Remember to email us, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Now uh, we always go to famous last words. And so let's uh let's let's take this one together, Tom. Famous last words. Let's take something for Carmine had to do with KISS. Yesterday is far away. So take me out to sea. Far away. I've been what never will be. Check me in to lose or win. I'm living memories. The drift begins. The dream of it sets me free. Uh, I love that song. I think it's a great, a great. It's grown on me over the years. Yep. It's great really dramatic buildup of a song. Yep. And yep. Carmine and, kills it on that. Oh, yeah. Everybody, please remember to go uh, on CarmineAPiece.com. And you can pick up his awesome book, Stick It, My Life of Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll. It's a fucking great book. Yep. And uh, please, you can go shop around there for all of his merchandise. And I want to thank him, Carmine Apiece, the legend. I want to thank Tom. Thank you guys, Loudcasters, and Kiss Army. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We were thrilled to have Carmine, and Carmine is a legend. And thank him again for joining us. Zeus, as always, thank you, my friend. Uh, great stuff. This was, a, this was a fun one for us. Peace out, Girl Scout. Have you ever lifted a piece of furniture and found the carpet underneath looks brand new while the rest of it looks, well, not brand new? That's when you realize you need new carpeting. At the Home Depot, we have a wide selection of all the top brands. Best of all, we'll install it for you. And even better than best of all, we install it free. So all you need to do is choose from our hundreds of styles and colors. Start your installation today at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's... 
My son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you I'm can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.